Want to go see your favorite college or pro team? Go to TickSplits. TickSplits provides you with the same great seats, but without the service fees. Use promo code WAR and save 5% off on all purchases at TickSplits.com or on the TickSplits app. That's promo code WAR, W-A-R-R, for 5% off on great seats to all of your favorite events. Remember, TickSplits provides you with the same great seats, but without the service fees. That's TickSplits, T-I-X-V-L-I-T-Z.com. Visit today. Welcome to another Monday edition of Second City Sports. We're live in Living Color right here on Sports Zone Chicago, along with Miss Lakina McGee, which is she. I am Cindy Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's SIDKID80. That's SIDKID80. You follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kina McGee on the IG. Make sure you download that Sports Zone Chicago app. You want to know why? Because we said so, that's why. And also, too, you can listen and catch our, our other five live shows throughout the week. If you happen to miss them, you can watch them and listen to them at your own leisure. Make sure you download that Sports Zone Chicago app today. Also, follow Sports Zone Chicago on all social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Once again, follow Sports Zone Chicago on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. If you want to catch the audio version of this? show you could do so by subscribing to war on anchor we're available on all podcast platforms including the iHeartRadio app make sure you type this in your search engine boxes ready w-a-r-r on anchor that's on the all podcast platforms and you can follow war media at w-a-r-r media on facebook twitter instagram and youtube once again at war media on facebook twitter instagram and youtube and thank you very much in advance for your support like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. We are unapologetically fun, and we have very definite opinions. If you have an opinion or a question or comment during our, our two-hour extravaganza, you can go to Sports Zone Chicago's Facebook page or Sports Zone Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. But if you decide to troll and or do something stupid or cause any problems, I've given Lakina the football to give you the bill and beer boot. Bye-bye. I love when you say that. <laughs> Speaking of giving the opponents the boot, let's kick off this Monday edition of Second City Sports Lakina by discussing the Chicago Bulls. Uh, they got kicked, you know what, again, this time by the Miami Heat losing the season series four games to none. The Miami Heat got the best of the Chicago Bulls Saturday night, last Saturday night at the United Center by the score of 127 to 109. DeMar DeRozan had a terrible night shooting, only six of 18. He scored literally half of his points from the free throw line, going 13 and 13. Zach Levine had a game high 33 points, including 11 of 21 shooting. Ayo Dusumu, who's still the starting point guard for the moment, had 11 points and four assists. Alex Caruso, who's dealing with the bad back, had no points, four assists, three rebounds, and only 22 minutes of action. Nikolai Vucevic had 12 points, 10 rebounds, but struggled shooting all night, including the 0 for 3 from three point range. Patrick Williams still is, uh, looking at his minutes increasing. He played 30 minutes on Saturday, scoring 12 points and grabbing six rebounds. And the big story from, from me, Lakina, and Kobe White 
had two points, including over for seven from three-point range, all nine from the field overall. Lakina, here's the thing that I look at with this Bulls team right now. You can't beat anybody in the top three seated in the Eastern Conference. They are now currently 0-17 against the top three teams in the East. Lakina, uh, listening to what Stacey King had to say toward the end of that telecast on Saturday, uh, the Miami Heat wasn't doing anything dramatic or anything out of the ordinary. We told you guys all season long this is a solid team, a good defensive team. And if you pay attention closely to why the Miami Heat got out to that big lead and eventually sustained it, a couple of things. They got to the loose balls. The Bulls did not. The Miami Heat are one of the few teams that currently knows how to defend DeMar DeRozan's sweet spot well. If you notice, every time DeMar DeRozan got up to the free throw line or got to the elbow, the Miami Heat were, were already ready for the double team. Outside of Zach Levine, the Bulls didn't get any additional help in terms of stepping up scoring rise. And number three, the defensive rotation from, from the Miami Heat players were perfect. I didn't see that from the Bulls on Saturday. It's one of those things where you wonder, like, okay, yeah, this is one of the reasons why the Bulls, you know, lost that season series to Miami. And look, you know, give Miami credit. I think their defense is very, very underrated. You know, they were able to, you know, they slowed down DeRozan, you know, yeah, he still scored 26. I mean, he didn't have his, you know, quote-unquote best game. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Caruso, you know, the back injury and such, you know, Vooch, you know, did his thing, but he struggled from three. He was over on, you know, on the three-point front. You know, Patrick Williams at 12 points. You know, he's starting to get a little bit better. Io had 11 11 points. You know, Zach, you know, looked really good with 33. So his knees are bothering him too much. So but I think it was really the defense that kind of kept, you know, that, that sort of like, you know, propelled Miami in that game. That's how they were able to pull away especially in, you know, the second half going into, you know, second quarter going into the third. So that's what sort of, you know, helped them. And look, I think, you know, there's a show, you know, maybe show you why they're one of the top teams in the East. You know, you know Jimmy did this thing with 22. Bam and the you know, Kyle Lowry had 19 points. They had good showing off the bench and such. So it, it's sort of one of those things where you kind of, you know, Miami showed you why, you know, Duncan Robinson had 19 off the bench for them. So, yeah, you're, they're showing you why that Miami's deal right up there in you know, with the Eastern Conference because, you know, they're sort of like right there. You know, they have the defense. They got, you know, they can score. You know, they can make you, you know, they can kind of slow your guys down a little bit. So I'm, I'm not surprised, unfortunately, that, you know, they were able to do this to the Bulls again in the last couple of meetings, even though the guys are a little bit more bull strength now. But this is sort of one of those things where you're kind of like, okay, you just got to, like you got about four games left. You know, you're down to like the magic number of one to try to avoid that play-in game. You probably go all the way up to the, to the four seat because it's still such a log jam. So you can't really worry about it. You got you got four games left to try to kind of like improve your seating. So just try and, you know, get you know, get it going. And just, you know, you got, you got the Bucks, you know, tomorrow. So that's going to be a tough one on ESPN. We'll try to try to salvage that season series to get them here this time. So. It'll be very interesting to see how I'm looking forward to that game. This game, I'm not worried about. All I want right now is to try to get avoid the play-in and perhaps make it that four seed in the East. The Bulls only need one victory between now and the next Sunday night when the regular season concludes to clinch a spot to avoid the play-in tournament. But wrapping up, uh, a couple more notes from this game. Uh, Tyler Harrow, as you mentioned, he had 19 points off the bench, including six or seven shooting from three-point range in 29 minutes of action. Kyle Lowry, he didn't do too he, – he did a little bit, but he was very effective from the point guard spot, scoring 19 points in 27, uh, 27 minutes. Gabe Vincent, who killed the Bulls here in Chicago back in December early in the season, he contributed to the Heat's production off the bench, scoring 13 points. Lakina, going back – on the flip side, to for Miami, they they shot the ball well. 
uh, from three-point range at 50%. They shot 53% overall for the game. But going back to the Bulls, Lakina, and there's been a whole a lot of talk about Kobe White. As I mentioned, he shot over seven for three-point range on Saturday. He's been struggling these last few games. Remember, Lakina, we gave you the stat on our last show last Friday. When the Bulls win, they get contributions from, from their bench. Outside of Patrick Williams last Saturday night, they didn't get much from, from their bench. I'm more concerned about that. Yeah, but Javante Green had eight points, but after that, there was, like, no contributions. Mm. Derek Jones, your only scored three points, and Troy Brown Jr. was you know, 0 for, Tristan Thompson was 0 for. So it's sort of, you know, one of those things where you're kind of like, if you're going to, if you want to advance to the playoffs, you're going to have to, you need contributions from the, from the bench. Mm -hmm. So that, for me, is sort of another thing that I'm worried about is when it, when we get into the playoffs and such, because you're going to have to step it up. I mean, DeRozan, Vooch, and Zach, they can only, they can only do so much. Caruso, mm -hmm. that back still, but I don't know how, how you know, he'll be able to sustain that back injury. So he, you know, he might be going to the bench a lot too. You know, so we might see P. Will out there in starting lineup, but they need more contributions. And look, I, these players are good enough role players, at least most of them, but they just need, need to kind of step it up a bit. You're listening to Second City Sports, the Monday edition right here on Sports Zone Chicago. We're live in the living color. Sid Lakina here with you on Second City Sports. As we, as we talk about the Chicago Bulls, the 45 and 33 Chicago Bulls, the, their magic number is one to clinch uh, a spot in the top six position of the NBA Playoffs Eastern Conference to avoid the play-in tournament. Lakina, here's here's the thing about the, about that Bulls bench. And Stacey King, uh, I found it interesting. Most of you probably turned away. Uh, last Saturday as that game was winding down. And I found it interesting what he said when I'm about to repeat to you. I don't know if you caught it. He was talking about Derrick Jones Jr., one of the players that came up big early in the season when COVID hit uh, hit the team and some of the injuries were starting to uh, creep up on this team. He said that Derrick Jones Jr. needed more playing time. He didn't understand why Billy Donovan uh, didn't play him on Saturday. Do you agree with that assessment? I mean, we don't know. We don't know. Is it because of lack of production? Is he hurt? I mean, we just don't know at this point. So I don't want to speculate. I, I don't want to get more into, into this because we, we gotta we gotta you know get the the rest of the NBA going before we go to break. But it's sort of one of those things where, like I said, you need contributions from everybody on the bench. Like you're not you're not gonna go far in the playoffs, especially if that's your, your goal. If your 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 guys don't contribute. So you know, Derek, you know, Jones Jr., you know, whatever it is. I mean, he was good. You know, have you know almost you know through the All Star break, but. You know, in his last few games, he hasn't contributed much. So I think, you know, all not just him, but like, like Troy Brown Jr., a lot of these guys all need to step up. I mean, Kobe White had his worst game of the season since coming back. So everybody needs to step up. It's not just him. So I think, you know, all the guys, everybody needs to kind of step up and, you know, c contribute, especially if you're talking about if you want to go far in the playoffs because, you know, depending on the matchups, you know, you might get run out of the building. So I think everybody needs to step up on that bench for the Bulls. All right, wrapping up our Bulls talk here before we jump into the rest of the NBA for the rest of this hour, and we'll get to some um, college basketball too later on in the show. Like, you know, you mentioned the schedule for the Bulls. They have four games remaining. Three of them are at home before wrapping up the season next Sunday night at Minnesota. That game will be at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time for the regular season finale next Sunday night. But you have Milwaukee tomorrow, Boston on Wednesday, and then you have the Charlotte Hornets on Friday. Uh Conventional wisdom says that the Bulls can win one out of those three games. Me personally, I think they can win two out of those three games. But Lakina, the way the Bulls are playing against these top teams right now, even Charlotte's still fighting for their uh, playoff lives to, to participate in this playing tournament. As of right now, that's not a, a give me victory for the Bulls either. 
Well, no, I, I think you know, I think none of these are gimmies, and you know, even you know, Minnesota, we'll see where they are. They might have already, they're probably already going to make clear spot in the play in, you know, during the this this week. And Charlotte, I'm sure, you know, look, Charlotte, I'm sure will love to play spoiler, so it's never easy to play those two. And Boston, we'll see where they are by that point. I mean, they you know, they they split the season series, so that can go either way. Milwaukee, I'm you know, they've had the Bulls over the last couple of years, so I think they can, I think they could get two of these last four. I'm sure mm-hmm. they're going to win more than one, but you know, just to, you know, to get into it, I think you know, they'll win two of these games. It may not even just be the last two. It, they, I, they could probably win one of these games. You know, either the Bucks one or, um, or the Celtics one later this week. So I, I think I think the wins are there because they're still the Bulls have a lot to play for. They only mm-hmm. need to win one or or have Cleveland or you know, Toronto lose one of their games. You know, to get to avoid that playing spot, they can go all the way up to the fourth seed if other things sort of. So there's still a lot to you know, figure out in the Eastern Conference, so I'm not too worried about it. But going into the rest of the NBA, um, what what impressed you this weekend in in you know in the in the big league? Uh, the, the Miami Heat winning back to back games on the road this weekend, taking care of business here in Chicago against the Bulls last Saturday, and of course last night uh, they beat the Toronto Raptors. As you mentioned, that's one of the teams the Bulls are fighting off to uh, not have participate in, in the playing tournament. The Miami Heat, as we mentioned, they are a very good defensive team. They showed it late in the game last night against Toronto. Toronto is still a, a good young team. Scotty Barnes, I have him right behind Evan Mobley from Cleveland for Rookie of the Year. You still have Fred Van Philly, who's returned from injury, and he's given uh, the all, first-time All-Star from this year. He's given major contributions to the Toronto Raptors. You still have Pascal Siakam, the former All-Star from a couple of years ago. So, Nick Nurse is doing a very good job with Toronto, but Miami took care of business this weekend. But let's see, that computer is still freezing up on me. The Memphis Grizzlies are going, uh, kicking off some of the key games from this past weekend. They beat the Phoenix Suns 122 to 114. Lakina, I think you kind of hinted at this at the last episode we did. Uh, John Moran, as we all, many of us, when we did our um, midseason. Midseason show at the All Star break, um, many of us, of us had John Morant as a top five candidate for MVP. Unfortunately, one his uh, injury into his regular season, but two, uh, his teammates we mentioned before has picked it up, and they look like they're going to be a tough outcome playoff time. And that's and that's another reason why John Morant is not seriously considered for MVP. I'll get your thoughts on the rest of the candidates in just a moment. But uh, the Memphis Grizzlies look better without John Morant, but they want to go farther. Uh, where they want to go, they need John Moran, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of like if he you know can't stay healthy. I think look, they look they play well without him, but at the same time, though, if you want to go far in the playoffs, you know you, you need your star. And you know, Golden State's going through that right now as we speak with mm-hmm. you know playing without stuff. Although they did they did win yesterday against Sacramento, and look, I, I said that earlier with that Sacramento when they could either you know lose by nineteen mm-hmm. and. Or win by like ten, you know. The, the former actually ended up being the case in that front. But you know, back to Memphis, it's also going to depend on who they match up with. If they get match up with, you know, either one of the LA teams or San Antonio, you know, they could probably, you know, they may have some problems. And you know, look, we'll have to wait and see. As guess again, Western Conference still a lot to figure out there. And look, I think experience is usually going to be the thing. Most of these, you know, players, yes, they played a little bit last year in the play-in, but going mm-hmm. deep, you'll go to a best of seven. That's a whole different animal. So. You're gonna need John Morant, you know, back to if you want to, you know, look Jay Will's, you know, say that, you know, bookmark that tweet, you know, from about a month ago. He said that he thinks that the Grizzlies will be in the finals this year. Okay, but I would say let let's you know hold off on that, especially mm-hmm. if John Morant can't stay healthy. 
The San Antonio Spurs had a great weekend. They swept their home home series, a, a two-game series against the Portland Trail Blazers, beating them on Friday in the course last night. Uh, they have a two-game lead over the Los Angeles Lakers for the last playing spot uh, in the Western Conference playoff tournament. We'll get to the Lakers uh, in a few minutes. But the San Antonio Spurs, Lakina, they made a couple of trades uh, to get rid of some players at the All-Star break, but Giante Murray and Doug McDermott and some of those young guys on San Antonio, they they play hard for Greg Popovich, and, and they showed that this weekend. And you can bookmark them for the playing tournament. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. I mean, they got a pretty tough schedule to finish off you know, the, the regular season, so I wouldn't you know, bookmark them in there just yet. But, look, I mean, Kellen Johnson is sort of leading the, the charge for that young squad. And, look, we'll see. I mean, look, I mean, this isn't, you know, Pop's first rodeo in the playoffs. So, again, mm-hmm. you know, it's all set up for them. But, again, you know, there's still a lot, you know, to be decided. There's only about, like, a game up on the Lakers. Again, we'll get to them in a after the break. But it's sort of one of those things where you sort of say to yourself, okay, you know what? You're kind of you know, trying to you know, jockey for positioning, you know, all that. So it, it, it's, you know, they, they beat Portland, you know, yesterday. And, you know, look, Portland doesn't have much to play for at this point. So, you know, it really doesn't, you know, you, they basically do what they're supposed to do. So it's really, you know, for me, I think this whole thing is, isn't, you know, no, no surprising here. Like, look, you did what you're supposed to do. Now, going mm-hmm. back to some of these other games for the weekend before we go to break, you know, the Nets are like, People were already wondering that the, were the Nets going to be like the, you know, the the most dangerous team you know going into you know going into like the play, especially the most mm-hmm. da- you know in a, in a dangerous spot is especially. But that turned out not to be the case. And you know, yes, uh, Kevin Durant had like fifty points, but you know it wasn't a, it, it didn't really like mean anything. You look, know, Philly, you know, Philly took care of business this weekend. You know, they beat Cleveland yesterday. They held them off. Mm-hmm. You know, Joel Embiid had forty four. And such, you know, the, 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 the still a lot to be decided, especially the top part. You know, they also beat Charlotte, so they were able to you know go two and zero in that back to back. So there's still a lot to figure out there in the Eastern Conference, especially at the top. I mean, Boston they beat Indiana by five. They had to hold them off. You know, Halliburton had 30 points for them. You know, in a losing effort. Um, you know, the Clippers were able to beat uh, Milwaukee on Friday, 153 to 119. It's one of the highest. Who saw that coming? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you, if you took the over, I mean, you, you had a pretty, you had a nice, you know, start to the weekend. Uh, you know, Colin Covington had a career high 43 points. You know, Robert Covington for the Clippers, so they're doing what they can to try to hang on to that plan. San Antonio, of course, you know, they beat Portland back to back. So, you know, there's still, like I said, there's still like so many things to be decided here. We got a whole week. We only got like a week left in, in the regular season, so. It's going to get very interesting to see, like, okay, who's going to show up? Who's going to want it more? Get into the playoffs, get into the play-in. There's still a lot to, you know, to figure out in both the East and the West. You know, yeah, okay, see, be a phase over the weekend. Okay, whatever, you know. Look, they, they <laughs> push everything the Suns have. So I, I would, I don't, Suns fans, I don't think people should freak out about the Suns losing. So, and they got a pretty uh, good young squad down there in OKC. They might be a team to watch out for next year. So, you know, I think it is late in the season. I think you're is, is outside of Phoenix. There's still a lots of lots of kind of like jockeying for positioning here. Yeah, speaking of jockeying for positioning, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers had a mixed bag this weekend. They took care of the Knicks and MSG on uh, early Saturday afternoon. Of course, you mentioned they lost a tough one at home to Philadelphia last night. They had a big lead, but Joel mm-hmm. Embiid and uh, James Harden decided to show up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I they know. Right? Show up. To see them, they can the do that every game, right? Yeah, yeah, they flipped the switch. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> at that, you know, like, okay, I figured that was going to happen. And look, I mean, he has 11 games with these 40 points and 10 rebounds. Rebounds this year. He had 12 rebounds uh yesterday. He's only the only other place to do that since the merger. 
Russ Westbrook, Moses Malo- and Moses mm-hmm. Malone both ended up winning the MVP that that particular season. So this could actually end up voting well for them. We'll see. And also, too, the Golden State Warriors that beat the Utah Jazz by four, 111 to 107. It's nice to see the Golden State Warriors get back on track. They'll probably be, the, the at worst, the four seed, but they'll probably lock up that number three seed. Of course, Steph Curry is out for the remainder of the regular season. He's supposed to return uh, for the playoffs in a couple of weeks. And go, going back to the Atlanta uh, Brooklyn game on Saturday, Brooklyn, I was watching the ABC pregame show yesterday. They had the, the Milwaukee. Of Dallas game. Nice win by Dallas, by the way, on the road yesterday. So mm-hmm. Milwaukee's going to come to Chicago on a bad move for tomorrow. But on the pregame show yesterday, they were talking, uh, uh, you can tell C- Stephen A, especially, has been hyping up the Brooklyn Nets over the past few weeks on his shows. And uh, they came to the realization, like everybody else, I guess they were last to the party. Well, Brooklyn's going to make the playoffs. Well, Brooklyn's going to be dangerous in the playoffs. And then they, they finally uh, turned uh, turn coat yesterday. Say, well, I don't know if they could do it because they can't play defense, blah, 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 blah. I said, okay. They finally uh, um, admitted to what we've been watching over the last few weeks. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't think you know, I don't think anybody should be surprised about what happened yesterday in that Atlanta game. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it, yeah, I, I mean, you know what? You know, in that Atlanta game on Sun on Saturday, but you know, despite of course, like I said, despite fifty five from uh, you know, KD. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, they can't play defense. You know, Ben Simmons. You know, he may not even play at all this year. So you know, now there's rumors about that coming out of shocking, <laughs> right? So you know, it's like uh, you know what. Yeah, they're going to be the play-in. You know, that's where they're going to end up being. We'll see where they are after, you know, who they end up playing against, you know, once everything's up. But they get they got no contributions, I should say. I mean, look, you know, I mean, Harden was out. So, you know, that he wasn't really a, a fact. He wasn't a factor at all. You know, Kyrie had 31, but that was it. Everyone else, I mean, Andre Drummond had eight. You know, he could have done more. Patty Mills, I mean, this is your first rodeo, dude. I mean, where where are you at? You know, he, did, he, got, he had a big goose egg. So, you know, the, 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 Katie's not the issue, and neither is Kyrie. He's starting to kind of get into a rhythm a little bit now that he can play home games too. But it, it just, yeah, it, it's just it, they're just not getting a lot of contributions from outside of KD and uh, Kyrie. So looks like there are a lot of problems over in Brooklyn. More conversation about the NBA coming up, um, including our discussion of who's the true MVP of the NBA this season. We'll give you the key games for the association for this last upcoming week of the regular season. And we'll review the two games that took place in New Orleans, Louisiana, last Saturday in the men's Final Four tournament, uh, which which was the national semifinals that took place last week. And we'll later on in the show, we'll give you the preview of tonight's uh, North North Carolina and Kansas Championship Contest, along with Miss Lakina McGee, which is she. I am Sydney Brown. That's me. You're listening to Second City Sports, the Monday edition, right here on Sports Zone Chicago. AutomotiveMap.com presents the Sports Flash on the Sports Zone Chicago. NBA Thursday, the Bulls dropped their second straight, 126-109 the loss at New Orleans. The Bulls are 42-31 with the setback. Zach Levine led the scoring for Chicago with 39 points. Kobe White had 23. The Pelicans got 30 points from Devontae Graham, 25 from C.J. McCollum, and a double-double from Jonas Valanciunas. Up next for the Bulls, they'll try and snap the skid tomorrow night when they visit Cleveland. The Blackhawks put a two-game winning streak on the line tomorrow when they visit the Vegas Golden Knights. Chicago with a 4-3 win at Los Angeles yesterday. Alex DeBrincat had the shootout winner. Colin Delia made 43 saves through overtime in just his second start of the season. Spring training Thursday, the Angels beat the Cubs 5-4. Today, it'll be the Cubs taking on the Rockies. The Giants beat the White Sox 9-6. Today, the Sox will face the Mariners. 
for lightning fast sports updates download the score app it's free and one of the most popular sports apps in north america i'm chuck sanders dance the sports flash on the sports zone chicago nobody protects you from mayhem like allstate i'm a speed bump did you hear what i said i'm a speed bump and if you have cut rate car insurance the cost to reattach your muffler could really be a bump in the road so switch to Allstate, save money, and be better protected from mayhem, like me. Based on coverage and limits selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. In most states, prices vary based on how you buy. Allstate Bar and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Have you wanted to speak a new language but thought it'd be too difficult or take too much time? Then try Babbel. In just 15 minutes a day, Babbel teaches you conversations that you will actually use. With 14 languages and lesson topics like travel, business, relationships, and more, you'll learn what matters most to you. Babbel. Language for life. Learn a new language with ease. Go to Babbel.com to try for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Welcome back to Second City Sports, the live and living color on the Monday edition right here on Sports Zone Chicago. Sid McKinney here with you as we continue our discussion with the NBA abroad. And we'll get to college basketball coming up later on in this half hour. Lakina, let's bring up the Los Angeles Lakers. They're currently on a six-game losing streak. They post a record of 31-47. and 47. They lost to the Denver Nuggets on national television yesterday, 129 to 118. Nikolai Jokic had 38 points. Some people still have him on the, their MVP list. We'll get to our thoughts on the MVP contenders list in just a moment. But Aaron Gordon had 24 points. 24 points. Will Barton had 25 off the bench. Demarcus Cousins, one time former Laker, had 14 off the bench. On the flip side for the Lakers, Anthony Davis decided to show up. He had 28 points in 35 minutes of action. Russell Westbrook had 27. Lakina, I did watch some of that game uh, uh, yesterday. Uh, the Lakers is a little bit too late. Uh, uh, it looks like they played a little bit better, but they're just like the Bulls. They cannot consistently play team defense, especially within the interior. I did catch some of that game last Friday against New Orleans. They had an eight-point lead with four and a half minutes to go, but they just could not hold on to make uh, any key defensive stops. LeBron James did play on Friday, but because of the ankle injury, he missed yesterday's game. Uh, it's just that simple, Lakina. The Lakers, uh, it's best for them not to make the playoffs. Even if they did, they'll get smoked by Golden State, uh, not Golden State, but Phoenix or Memphis in the first round, which both teams have given yeah, them I problems mean, all year long. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of one of those things where you're kind of like you're the Lakers. You're sort of, you know, you, you had all these high expectations, and then, you know, AD got hurt, and then LeBron was banged up, and then you were getting contributions from guys like Westbrook, who you picked up, and you know, Carmelo had a nice seal start, but as fizzled out, I mean, he did he have 17 in that loss against Denver. So, uh, look, I, I'm tired with the Lakers. I mean, look, could they? I, I still think they're going to, you know, with four games left, I still think they're going to, you know, they're going to sneak into somehow, some way. I just don't don't see them. I don't just don't see LeBron and uh, and them going out, you know, in this fashion. So, I think they'll still, you know, they might find a way to still get into the play-in, but that's a whole nother story now. Look at Jokic and what he's done. I mean, he's kind of like some people are wondering, is he making it kind of like a late surge? Because some of the, you know, some of the, I guess the the Vada odds has him now as a front runner for MVP. I, I think, you know, yes, he's sort of, you know, 
doing this, you know, doing a lot of stuff, you know, by himself because, of course, Murray is going to miss, you know, the rest, rest of miss the season. He's getting, you know, contributions from other guys. But I, I feel like, you know, what I feel like, you know, having, you know, Jokic is back to back. I mean, there's some people that may have voter fatigue. So, you know, well, and I gave you that savvy you know, with, you know, with Embiid in his 44, you know, yesterday's game, you know, against the Cavs. But, you know, it's sort of one of those things where you just like, it's all going to depend on what the voters, you know, mindset is, I feel like. So, you know, who who knows? I mean, it was a mixed bag for the Nuggets. They lost against, you know, the, the T-Wolves on Friday. Of course, they got that win, you know, yesterday against the Lakers. So, you know, it's sort of one of those things where it's going to be like, okay, who which is which is more important to the voters? In the end, and you never know, you know, NBA votes can be fickle at times. So, mm-hmm. here's the thing, Lakina: Would you give it to a fifth or sixth place team uh, in terms of Nikolai Jokic for MVP, even though he's putting up monster numbers like he did last year when Denver was at the time you mentioned he had, he had Jamal Murray healthy for the most part until around this time last year? But would you give it to a fifth, fifth or sixth place team in the Western Conference? I, I don't think they would. Now, Joel Embiid. Is still a front runner in my opinion. He you would have won it last year if he didn't miss those twenty games in that shortened seventy-two game season. That's how Nikolai Jokic won last year's MVP award. I know in many people's minds, minds, Giannis Antetokounmpo from the Milwaukee Bucks is third in MVP voting. I know he won it two years ago, which I thought LeBron should have won, and that was the season of the shutdown and before they went into the bubble to complete that season. But I like Giannis personally. I do. He's one of the best mobile big men we ever seen, especially in today's NBA. But do you really think you have him third? Should you have him third? In my personal opinion, no. Here's why. The Milwaukee Bucks, they really don't care about this regular season too much. Yeah, they're going to win, barely win 50-51 games, okay? Giannis is putting up great stats, but does it really jump out at you that he's really been dominant like he was, that like he has had dominant regular season the last couple of years? In my opinion, no. I don't hate Giannis, so people don't come at me with that. I like Giannis. I respect him. I would like to have him on the Bulls. Me, personally, it's never going to happen. But Giannis is a great talent. But me, in my personal opinion, he shouldn't be a num- number three for MVP. It, that that slot should go to Devin Booker or Phoenix. We told you guys at the All-Star break when Chris Paul went out for that month with that thumb injury, Devin Booker would have to step up. And stepped up, he did. He increased his scoring edge by a couple points, and Phoenix has been winning. Now they have over 60 wins, and Chris Paul is back in the lineup. Devin Booker really doesn't get his props. I know he, uh, people are starting to pay attention to him the last couple of years, especially last year when the Suns reached the finals. But Devin Booker has really taken this game to another level. He should get more consideration for MVP over Giannis, in my opinion. It's one of those things where it might be, you know, like the fact that he plays in Phoenix, that's probably a, a big, real big reason. And I, I think usually they don't like to give it to the West Coast. I mean, I think you know for the first time in like in a in a while that someone from a Western Conference team won MVP, especially that far out west in Denver. So that's why Jokic won. But you know, the, the same token though, I, I feel like it's all about for me. I, I feel like sometimes it's about personal preference, and I think that's wrong. If you're going to vote, vote by the numbers, vote by with the contributions to the team. That's why apparently I guess Jokic is doing his big search because. People feel some people feel I'm not going to say every voter, but some people feel yeah. like he's the reason why Denver is still like right there, like in the top six. So, you know, some people you know have it that way. Like, should it be that way? I'm not saying it should, but that's I'm just thinking that that's how it's some not all voters, but I think some of the voters is probably how they feel about it. But who knows? 
Yeah, so it should be interesting how the voting goes around this time next week at the end of the regular season, of course. Uh, the awards will be given out once the, the whole shebang is over with the NBA Finals coming up in June. Lakina, before we turn it over to our college basketball discussion, we'll give you some of the key games to watch to watch uh, during this last week of the regular season uh, in the NBA. Besides the Chicago Bulls, the NBA has tonight off because of the college basketball national championship game between Kansas and North Carolina. They'll resume their scheduling tomorrow for Tuesday, in which leads off the Philadelphia 76ers will take on the Indiana Pacers at 6 o'clock. At the same time, we'll have the Orlando Magic hosting the Cleveland Cavaliers. Big game for the Cavs, especially after that tough loss at home last night. Of course, the Houston Rockets will take on the Brooklyn Nets at 6.30. Brooklyn's locked in into that playing tournament, so they cannot move up or down. So they're in whether folks like it or not. At the same time, at 6.30 p.m. Chicago time, the Charlotte Hornets will visit the Miami Heat at 6.30. We'll have Atlanta at Toronto. Big game for both teams, especially for Atlanta. Uh, coming off that big win on Saturday at home against the Brooklyn Nets. Of course, at 7 o'clock on ESPN tomorrow, we have Milwaukee against the Bulls at the United Center. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves at the same time will host the Washington Wizards. At 8 o'clock, we'll have San Antonio at Denver. Big game for both teams. Bigger for San Antonio. They're trying to lock down that last spot in the playing tournament in the Western Conference. Uh, wrapping up the Tuesday night schedule, we have Memphis at Utah at 8 o'clock. At 9 o'clock, We'll, uh, sorry, at 9.30 on NBA TV, we'll have the Los Angeles Lakers at the Phoenix Suns. Will LeBron James play in that one? We shall see. But the Phoenix, like you mentioned, they have everything wrapped up. But it's a, obviously, it's a bigger game for the Lakers. It'll be interesting to see where Phoenix mindset is. You know, now that they've clinched everything, will, you know, will Monty Williams you know, arrest his guys, some of his guys at least? So that's going to be another thing that's something to look out Watch out for on NBA TV tomorrow, Tuesday, hump day over Wednesday's NBA games. You got Dallas and Detroit at six. You got Brooklyn and, and the Knicks, you know, six thirty. That's the first game of that ESPN Wednesday night doubleheader. I'm sure they wish that they could have flexed out of that one, but that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> Washington well, and Atlanta. Screaming A Smith will be yelling at you all night long. <laughs> Washington and Atlanta at seven o'clock. You know, we'll see where Atlanta try to keep that, you know, that uh play in seat, you know, there. Boston, Chicago. Personally, this should have been the first game of the ESPN doubleheader, but I digress. That should be yep. a good one at 7 o'clock. OKC in Utah, that should be a fun one because OKC, I believe, actually beat Utah in their last meet, so I'm sure Donovan Mitchell and them would love to get their revenge. And Phoenix and the Los Angeles Clippers at 9 o'clock. That's the second half of that ESPN doubleheader. Again, we'll see where Phoenix's mindset is. You know, we know the Clippers, they've got that, you know, that, playing spots on lock, you know, they're trying to improve it a little bit. They can go up to a seven seed if they, if they choose to. So we just see where they go from there. Yeah. For the Clippers, Paul George is back. As we saw last week here in Chicago, he, uh, he's playing very good right now. And for Utah, they've been struggling over the last few weeks. So they need to get it together and improve their seating over this last week of remaining in the regular season. Let's wrap it up by, uh, uh, going over the Thursday night schedule, uh, the, the Orlando Magic will take on the Charlotte Hornets at the Hive at 6 o'clock Chicago time at 6.30. A big game here. This should have been the first game on TNT, but we digress. <laughs> it's the Philadelphia 76ers at the Toronto Raptors at 6.30. Now, the first game of that TNT Thursday doubleheader, the last one of the regular season, we'll see the Boston Celtics at the Milwaukee Bucks. Of course, both those teams will be Chicago fatigued uh, by that time. At 7 o'clock, the San Antonio Spurs will take on the Minnesota Timberwolves. 
At 8 o'clock, we have the Memphis Grizzlies traveling to Denver to take on the Nuggets. And the last game of that TNT doubleheader for Thursday for the last time in the regular season, the Lakers at the Warriors. Remember, no Steph Curry for that one. Yeah, that should be interesting. We'll see how the Lakers, you know, mindset is. They'll be, they'll be off for the first. You know, they've got you know after the Phoenix game, they get they get a couple of days off before that game. So we'll see where they go from there. And also to Memphis and Denver. I know Denver, they could be end up playing each other in the first round. So you know, we'll we'll see what happens in there. But you know, this should be a fun one. And that is your schedule for this. Well, part of the last week in the NBA. So we'll talk, of course, we'll talk about the weekend games in a little bit. You're listening to Second City Sports on SportsZone Chicago, along with Sydney Brown. I'm Lakina McGee. And we're going to go to New Orleans, you know, for the Blue Buds and the Bayou. Of course, Kansas and North Carolina, we fly for the national championship game. Remember, folks, uh, this year it's on TBS, not CBS. So remember that, folks. <laughs> um, it, it's it's look, for people who are, who, are, who are asking, I'll just do a quick synopsis. They have a CBS and Turner have this little collaboration. It's been that way since I think like 2013 like or something like that. Mm-hmm. They decided to do a deal for another 10 years. This is the third year of that deal. I think it's 2023, 2027, I believe, in 2027. Or it might be like give or take a year, but that's when you know, these games will be on, on TBS. Mm-hmm. So quick quick sort of, you know, Cliff Notes version of the, that whole thing. But, you know, go recapping the uh, the Saturday's games from the Final Four. We'll talk about the first game. Kansas pulled away from Villanova, and it's sort of one of those things where they probably should have, you know, handled Villanova a little more. You know, I think they took their foot off the gas. I believe, you know, I think, you know, Kansas did, you know, initially. and But, you know, they did pull away late, and, you know, it actually turned out to be a – yeah, I know the score, you know, 81-65. I know that's not, you know, that's not the, the score that it did. It looked a little more dominant than that. I mean, like I said, you know, you know Dustin Moore from Villanova didn't, you know, didn't play, unfortunately. So the onus was on a lot of their starters. And like, they did what they could. You know, Connor Gillespie in his last game, you know, has a couple of shots. And also Jermaine mm-hmm. Samuels, he, you know, hit a couple of, you know, three-pointers as well. Had a three-pointer that kind of cut the lead to like six. But just too much Kansas and then all that depth. Uh, Obaji o- o- had uh, 21 points. You know, leading also to uh, David McCormick. He's the big guy. You know, he's sort of like mm-hmm. that because you know, he's a big guy for kids on the inside. You shoot from the outside as well. He led the way with 25. And you know, Kansas just looked really good in that game on Saturday against Villanova. Yeah, Kansas' biggest lead was 19. As you mentioned, Lakina, they they took their foot off the gas in the second half. We, we talked about this on Friday with, I guess, Larry Howley from WGN-TV in Chicago, that Villanova's injuries will come back to buy them in a you-know-what, and that's exactly exactly what happened. Give Jay, Jay Wright uh, credit. Uh, his kids fought hard to the end. As we expected, they made a final run, but it just wasn't enough. Kansas led by 11 at halftime, but – as I told you, that uh, the Kansas uh, shooting was gonna was gonna be the key. They shot fifty four percent from three point range, and from from two they sh- they they shot fifty three percent overall from the game. Uh, that was key uh, for Kansas. And the rebound department they out rebounded uh, Jay Wright's crew by six thirty five to twenty nine. In the assist department, uh, it was a six uh, six six point edge eighteen to twelve. Lakina, as we said, it was going to be a, a, fought, a fight to the end finish. Uh, Villanova, they got off to a bad start, especially shooting-wise. That's why they trailed big at halftime. But Kansas was t- too much for him. And we also talked about the lack of rotation mm-hmm. for, for Villanova. And it definitely showed, unfortunately, on Saturday. 
It did, and I think you know, they just ran out of gas. I feel like once it got to six, and but you know, like I said, Kansas was able to kind of kick it up a notch and you know to show that depth, and just you know, eventually it wore Villanova out. So I think that was one of the <laughs> sort of the keys in that in that uh, game. Now going into the second game, which was the game of the night, and it lived up to the the billing. Mm-hmm. You know, North Carolina beat Duke again, you know, again, spoiling, you know, Coach K, you know, in this case, it ended up being Coach K's last game. Alfonso, <laughs> you know, 81 to 71 in that game. Uh, you know, Armando Bacode Jr. had 11 points. He got a little bagged up with that ankle injury, but he said he's a, you're going to have to cut off my uh, leg if you want me to not play tonight. And, you know, Kansas fans, I'm <laughs> sure, you know, are probably <laughs> will have their own. Um, you know, most, but we won't get into that. Uh, Caleb, Caleb Love led the way for kids, for North Carolina, I should say, with 28 points, 18 points from RJ Davis. Brady, Brady Mox, you know, kicked in with 14. In a losing effort there, uh, Pachero, you know, Paulo Pachero had 20 points leading the way for Duke. And they got some contributions off the bench. You know, Trevor Kills had 19. But it was missed free throws, as mm-hmm. you know, some people say on Twitter. Uh, a couple missed free throws, but... A couple of missed free throws by Mark Williams, you know, especially that would have cut that lead. It actually would have tied it and would have, you know, forced North Carolina to perhaps maybe go for the last shot. But that ended up not being the case. And I guess, you know, Coach K kind of goes out with a whimper. Yeah, you mentioned Armando Babcock. I saw I saw the injury with his ankle. It was unfortunate, but he did come come back and, and to finish the game strong for the Carolina, Carolina Tar Heels. <coughs> Excuse me. But outside of him and Manic, uh, they lack depth as far as a uh, big man. Uh, Hubert Davis, uh, I, I know that Bill Raftery and Green Hill talked about it a lot during that time on the telecast that North Carolina would have to play small, and that's what they did for a little bit before Babcock in, entered the game. Because remember, Duke was starting to score inside and draw fouls uh, mm-hmm. when Babcock w- went out. But once Babcock came came in they tried to do the same thing again to no avail and duke actually struggled shooting from the three-point range five for mm-hmm. 22 overall for 22 percent and that and that was another uh storyline right there we told you guys on friday that it was going to come down to a uh, guard play and shooting and that's exactly what happened now the free throws carolina they had their struggles especially late mm-hmm. a little bit but it didn't come back to buy them in the butt they were 17 to 24 from the foul line for seventy percent, while Duke shot sixty percent, twelve of twenty, and and I said when, when like you said, um, Duke missed those couple of free throws late. I said if uh, if it comes down to the final couple of possessions, those missed free throws are going to come back to bite them. That's exactly what happened. It did, and you know, it's sort of one of those days where you sort of like you kind of like okay, this is not is this people were already making their you know, conspiracy theories as to why is this how Coach K? You know, I'm sure he didn't want to go out like that. You know, his guys missing free throws, but mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> it is just you know, it's just unfortunate that that was sort of the thing that you know that that killed um, that killed Duke, and it's it's sort of like you know, I, I it's just and I, I just you know, it, it's one of those things where it, it was sort of like what what happened there and mm-hmm. I, I just think that if you're look coach K was very gracious after the game and he was you know very you know you know sort of you know he gave North Carolina all the credit I know North Carolina fans I got a couple of friends who are North Carolina fans I'm sure they're going to be bragging until you know the cows come home you know forever <laughs> that they essentially ended this is you know their guys ended coach K's career but 
you know, look, you got to give, look, give North Carolina credit. I mean, they're playing with house money. No one really expected them to get, yes, they're North Carolina, but nobody thought that they would get this far. So I, I think folks need to kind of just, you know, give Hubert and Davis some credit. And like I said, they're playing with house money as we get into this, you know, tonight's um, national championship game. I mean, this will be a rematch. Yeah, all the way back to 1957. <laughs> and then, you know, of course, North Carolina beat you know, Kansas in that game. But, you know, none of those guys, most of those, none of those folks were born yet. So it's not even <laughs> worth mentioning. But I think I think Bill Summers might have been like, you know, in, in diapers or something. Who knows? Wasn't even really <laughs> born yet. I, mean, I don't even he was born yet. But but again, I digress. But, uh, you know, this should be a really good game. I mean, I think you look, I think if you're Kansas, you want to try to make our shots early. I think look, both teams you know, can go pretty deep. And they you will know, Kansas, but they can go like good 10 or 11 deep. So I think the key is, is that, you know, try to, you know, use that experience, you know, Remy Martin, you know, I guess, you know, if David McCormick can hit his shots. Okay. How is, you know, Bacot, how is he going to look? I know he's going to yeah. be, he's going to try, try, you know, try to play, but how is he going to look? I mean, you know, even if it's not you know, a serious ankle injury, they can still linger. You know, can, you know, Caleb Love shoot those, those big shots? Can he heal up from the field? RJ Davis, you know, he, he shoot the three. So, look, there's so, you know, Abaji, you know, he shoot three, two for Kansas. So, uh, this could be, like, a really good game. Now, for me, I'm picking Kansas because I picked Kansas from, like, you know, if you go all the way back to when we did our preview shows, that I picked Kansas. So, yes, you did. So, I'm going to stick with it. But, again, I wouldn't be shocked at North Carolina. Uh, look, I know they're an AC, but this is not like Villanova being Georgetown. So, I think people need to kind of, like, you know, get off on that. I mean, North Carolina was actually pretty good. They were ranked for a little bit. Yeah, they had their struggles early in the season. They were just starting to try to find each other's rhythms and such. But they got, you know, got better at the right time, and now they're going for the championship. Would I be shocked if they, you know, if they beat Kansas and win the title? No. No, of course not. But I am picking Kansas to win it all. I'm glad you brought up R.J. Davis, Lakina. Watching him on Saturday night, he was in foul trouble. He started to mm -hmm. get going to, especially in that second half, helping out his teammate Caleb, uh, Caleb Love, who I really like, by the mm -hmm. way. Uh, he, he's Carolina's go-to guy. He's been that way throughout this whole tournament. But R.J. Davis is going to have to stay out of foul trouble tonight, and he's going to have to find pick his spots um, to where he takes over the game because, like I mentioned, Caleb Love is the playmaker for the Tar Heels. He sets that team up offensively. And R.J. Davis, he had his moments too, but he just couldn't get it going in stretches of that second half because he's in foul trouble. He needs to stay out of foul trouble tonight. Number two, it's going to come down to rebound, especially on the offensive end. You mentioned Babcock's right angle injury for Carolina. As I said, when he went out, uh, Duke was able to take advantage of that, driving the ball inside, and they actually picked up fouls that just couldn't hit their free throws. And number three, when you mentioned with David McCormick, who's a he, who's a beast inside for Kansas, as the kids mm -hmm. would say, uh, will you double team him? And how much will you double team him? And how many times that that Hubert Davis is going to put Manic on or McCormick? Because if that happens and McCormick decides to dominate, uh, if you have Manic in, in or bad cop in foul trouble early. Uh, Carolina has no choice to go small, but uh, that's going to be a, at a huge disadvantage for North Carolina. Well, yeah, especially if you know, McCormick's in his shots and the other big guys up front are hitting their shots. Because I, I feel like if if they hit their shots, especially those big guys on the inside, you mm -hmm. might as well just you know say this might end up being like last year's game between when Baylor just you know poured on Gonzaga and didn't let up. Now you know it, it's. Look, we'll, we'll see. Like I said before, I think it will be close. I don't think it will be as bad as last year's game because I feel oh, like no, North, no. North Carolina is a, little, is a little bit better than you know, Gonzaga. But I think could I see them perhaps it'll be close for a minute. Could I see Kansas pulling away late? 
sure, I can I can see that. That's probably gonna be what's gonna end up happening. But again, I think North Carolina, like I think Hubert Davis has caught, you know, has you know, you know, taught his guys to fight, not literally, but you know, mm-hmm. you know, to, to to fight, you know, for every point. And you look, you got guys, you got you got Love, you got Davis, you got Monica. That was more than they're more than capable of shooting, especially from the outside. This could be one of those. Look, we haven't had a buzzer beater this tournament, so could we have a buzzer beater tonight? Who knows? Yeah, uh, I remember looking on our show on Friday. I went with North Carolina over Duke, and I was mm-hmm. right. I'm going to ride that wave again. I'm going with North Carolina. I know Kansas is favored by four points tonight, but uh, it should be another good game. Looking, I don't think we're going to see a, another blowout. We're definitely going to get a better game than we did last year between Gonzaga and Baylor. So it, it should be another classic finish. And uh, I'm going with North Carolina again. People have been against them all year. Like you mentioned, we talked about Lakina uh, that went at Duke uh, at Coach K's last home game at Cameron Stadium that basically clinched a uh, spot in the tournament for North Carolina, and they've been on a roll ever, ever since. So I'm going with North Carolina uh, tonight. And that game can be seen on TBS at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you don't have TBS, just download that March Madness app. You can watch the game from there. Lakina, we got less than a minute and a half left before we shut down for the opening hour of our program. Uh, Let's say congratulations as we go to the women's tournament. Uh, their season concluded last night in Minneapolis as the South Carolina Gamecocks. Congratulations to, Don, to head coach Don, Don Staley and crew. They get it done by beating the UConn uh, Lady Huskies by 15, 64 to 49. Lakina, what's your quick thoughts about um, UConn losing to South yeah, Carolina? It, yeah, I mean, North Carolina, I mean, uh, South Carolina, I should say, they let wire to wire. And that's how best. That's basically how their season, you know, was. You know, they yeah, they had a couple. Yeah, they had a couple of losses. I know people they should have. They probably should been up to undefeated. You know, Missouri. You know, they you know they lost to an underhanded Missouri team, under one Missouri team. I think they only had like seven players because like half their mm-hmm. half their girls were out with COVID. So you know, I think that was a bad loss. They lost, of course, to Kentucky in the SEC championship game. You know, they started to go ahead three, so they could have easily you know, go undefeated. But even still. Aaliyah Boston, who won, you know, Nasma Player of the Year, all the Player of the Year honors, also two Defensive Player of the Year, the first, you know, first person to do, first woman to do that. You know, she was the most outstanding player, as she should have been. You know, had another double-double. She averaged a 17 points, 17 double-doubles, uh, 17 points, 17 rebounds. She only had 16 rebounds and 11 points. It was her it was her uh, teammate, Destiny Henderson, who had a career-high 26 points with three from six for three. She was one of the main reasons why they were able to pour it on uh, the Hus- Lady Huskies and didn't and they didn't let up. So just a, a, a great show. And she actually has a nice little business too. She was promoting her business too. And if you saw her in the in um in uh, the post game, but uh, she you know yeah look she looked really good too. I mean look I think Bo- we you know, Boston of course you saw that mm-hmm. if for people who saw last year's Final Four game where and it was a putback by Stanford you know Stanford beat South Carolina they probably should have you probably say the game should have won last year. But she was able to come mm-hmm. back and you know, she said, Look, nothing but happy tears this time. So that was a pretty cool thing. Also, to Don Staley, now the first African American head coach, male or female, mind you, to win. She has multiple championships to her credit now. She won, of course, in 2017 with Asia Wilson, who was there at the game. Also, Candace mm-hmm. Parker was there too. You know, yeah, that's Asia's uh, favorite player. That was a night they shared a uh, nice moment after the, the post came and stuff. So, yeah, it was a great one, a very deserving. You know, this is a this is uh Gino Oriama's first loss in the national championship game. He had been eleven and zero up to that point, so very impressive all around for the Gamecocks. 
Hour number one in the books. Hour number two straight ahead. As you're listening to Second City Sports, live in the living color right here on Sports on Chicago. I'm Sid. It's Lakina. Jordan Lazowski, friend of the show from Sox on 35th, will hop on with us to preview the 2022 Chicago White Sox. Can they repeat as division champs again? Or will things head south? Can they win the World Series? Or dot, 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 dot. We'll figure it out all, all together in a Andrews whole lot too. more. Injuries too. Injuries too, because we also have a big injury this weekend, and also too, we I'm sure Jordan will have a lot to say about that. We'll also have uh, we didn't address the Bruce Arias uh, changing, you know, going for force forces wheel with Todd Bowles, now the head coach with the Bucks. We'll talk about that too. Also, to the Blackhawks have found their new play-by-play guy for their on the TV side. So lots to do still and talk about. So you know, you know, second season sports, sports of Chicago. Sid Lakina, we'll be right back. AutomotiveMap.com presents the Sports Flash on the Sports Zone Chicago. NBA Thursday, the Bulls dropped their second straight, 126-109 the loss at New Orleans. The Bulls are 42-31 with the setback. Zach Levine led the scoring for Chicago with 39 points. Kobe White had 23. The Pelicans got 30 points from Devontae Graham, 25 from C.J. McCollum, and a double-double from Jonas Valanciunas. Up next for the Bulls, they'll try and snap the skid tomorrow night when they visit Cleveland. The Blackhawks put a two-game winning streak on the line tomorrow when they visit the Vegas Golden Knights. Chicago with a 4-3 win at Los Angeles yesterday. Alex DeBrincat had the shootout winner. Colin Delia made 43 saves through overtime in just his second start of the season. Spring training Thursday, the Angels beat the Cubs 5-4. Today, it'll be the Cubs taking on the Rockies. The Giants beat the White Sox 9-6. Today, the Sox will face the Mariners. For lightning fast sports updates, download the Score app. It's free and one of the most popular sports apps in North America. I'm Chuck Sanders. That's the Sports Flash on the Sports Zone Chicago. Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. I'm a speed bump. Did you hear what I said? I'm a speed bump. And if you have cut-rate car insurance, the cost to reattach your muffler could really be a bump in the road. So switch to Allstate, save money, and be better protected from mayhem, like me. Based on coverage and limits selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. In most states, prices vary based on how you buy. Allstate Bar and Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Have you wanted to speak a new language but thought it'd be too difficult or take too much time? Then try Babbel. In just 15 minutes a day, Babbel teaches you conversations that you will actually use. With 14 languages and lesson topics like travel, business, relationships, and more, you'll learn what matters most to you. Babbel. Language for life. Learn a new language with ease. Go to Babbel.com to try for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Welcome back to our number two of Second City Sports. We're live and in living color on the Monday edition, right here on Sports Zone Chicago, along with the Lakina McGee, which is she. I am Cindy Brown. That's me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter in the IG at CK80. Once again, that's CK80. That's S I D K I D A zero. That's S I D K I D A zero. You follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kino McGee on the IG. If you have a question or comment for our next guest, you can go to Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or Sports on Chicago 
on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comment section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. As we kick off our number two of this fabulous program by previewing the 2022 Chicago White Sox, the defending America League Central Division champions to help us uh, do so is our good friend from the show from Socks on 35th. You can go to SocksOn35th.com to catch all their great articles. And they are partnering up with the Socks in the Basement podcast with our good buddy, Chris Lanuti, who's a, uh, also another great friend of the show. Let's bring up uh, our guest, good friend of the show, Mr. Jordan Lazowski. Jordan, how are you today? Hey. Good. Thanks for having me back. Good to be back. Good to see you both. Oh, uh, thank you. No problem. Thanks no problem. Before I... Uh, yeah, before I uh, get to my first question, how did you handle the lockout, Jordan? Because I know it was tough on all of us baseball fans and Sox fans for sure. Jordan, can you hear us? Yeah, thank you. Did I freeze a little bit on you? Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. Right, I'm back. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about uh, that. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, how, before we uh, get into the preview, uh, how did you uh, handle the lockout? Because it was a it was a long lockout, and it was a it was tough for baseball fans, especially for Sox fans. Sox fans for sure. How did you handle it? Yeah, not well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was. It started out. Oh, it's just the off season. We'll handle some things. We'll we'll put out some interesting content. And by March, it's like. All right, something better come soon because they are ideas. So it, it was a nice final break that they they kind of put it all together. <laughs> no, go ahead, Sid. <laughs> yeah, so let's get into uh, Jordan. Of course, uh, um, the White Sox made a couple of trans uh, transactions uh, since the lockout ended. Of course, uh, injuries galore. We'll start off with the latest news: Lance Lynn, who was supposed to be the opening day starter, now that goes to Lucas Giolito. He'll start the season for the Sox Friday at Detroit. That's at 12 noon Chicago time. But Lance Lynn injured his uh, his knee last Saturday in the in the spring training game against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, he said he he was smiling coming off the field after the game, but he's going to need surgery. He's going to be out four weeks. But the prognosis is six to eight weeks. We may not see him until late May. So, so what do the White Sox do from here? Yeah, it's going to be a combination of you know, first of all, they're going to have to handle it in house. So there's there's going to be very little that they can do before the end of this week, truthfully, to to have somebody ramped up and ready to go from an external resource. From there, you know, maybe you can find a guy on the trade market, find a guy who signed and, you know, kind of ramp them up slowly. But honestly, you're going to see a lot of Vince Velasquez, Ronaldo Lopez, and Dallas Keuchel is going to need to bounce back. You're going to have to have these guys internally step up first uh, and kind of shoulder the load until they can find someone who's ready to take on those sort of innings. I know you've been a big Michael Conforto fan. Uh, AJ Pollock, they got the trade over AJ Pollock to the Dodgers and such. Saying Greg Kimball to the you know, back to the Dodgers. So, what do you think about that move? I thought it was a great move. I think that solved there's two problems. With one, you know, the, the first thing was Craig Kimball wasn't the best fit for this team at this time. It is what it is. It happens. He has a better fit with the Dodgers. And at the same time, the White Sox solve a really big hole for them and, and do it in a short-term way. You know, Pollock is here for guaranteed one year, potentially two years. Um, and, and between the two of those things, you know, you, you have a situation where if Oscar Colas or Yoki Cespedes really becomes that next right fielder, 
They have a couple of years to develop and then nobody blocking them for that position. So I, I thought it was a great short-term move that helps the Sox in this current contention window. Absolutely. Another transaction that took place over the weekend was that backup catcher Reese McGuire was acquired from the Toronto Blue Jays for in exchange for Zach Collins. Uh, of course, Sebi Zabala came uh, came up big last year offensively, but defensively just wasn't there. Zach Collins, the same thing. He was a, the he was their number one draft pick from a few years ago. The Sox gave him a, a boatload of opportunities. He he just couldn't take advantage. I think it's a good move personally for the Sox in the short term. What do you think about this move? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think your, your backup catcher is supposed to be your defensive player. You know, mm -hmm. they're supposed to be the one who maybe they don't hit that much, but they know their way around a bat and then they can really provide you good defense. And that's exactly what McGuire does. I think he's shown some pop in the past, nothing overly crazy. But at the same time, you know, look at whatever defensive metrics you like. And, and he's mm -hmm. above average to really top of the class in a, in a lot of them. And, I think that's exactly what the Sox were looking for, and they, they had the benefit of McGuire was out of options and wasn't going to make the team. So the Blue Jays would rather get something for him than nothing. And it was a really good move by their part to understand, you know, the roster crunch is the roster crunch and take advantage of that where possible. What do you think about the Joe Kelly uh, uh, signing? Because I, I think he won't be able to play it, so I think, for like about, like about a month, if I'm not mistaken. So, But they do. he does answer some of those issues that the Sox have at the bullpen. So what do you think about that trade? I mean, that trade is actually, I should say. Yeah, so Joe Kelly and Kendall Graveman both make a lot of sense now. You know, everyone was very concerned about how much they were spending on the bullpen when Kimbrell was still back there. And I think now you have a hole with Crochet's injury, and you have a hole that Kimbrell leaves. So Joe Kelly is a great postseason pitcher at the same time. He gives some of that experience they might have been lacking last year. And at the same time, he's just a really good pitcher. He might be out for the first couple weeks here. But at the same time, you know, that's just the reinforcements that will be helpful to this team as they go on through the season. I think that's the sort of low-risk signing you're kind of looking for with these sorts of guys. Jordan Lazowski from Sox on 35th is joining us right here on the Monday edition of Second City Sports. We're live in 11 color right here at Sports on Chicago. Silicon here with you. Jordan, now since right field is solidified by AJ Pollock, he's going to be their main starter, at least the majority of the time. Of course, depending on the matchups, we'll probably see Gavin Sheets, Adam Engel, or the combination of the two out there on certain days in terms of the matchups. In terms of the of the permanent DH, I assume that Andrew Vaughn, who got nicked up in spring training uh, about a week or so ago, uh, him and Gavin Sheets will be sharing the duties at DH, correct, uh, we assume? Yep, I think that's exactly the position that's best for them, too. I, I think yep. trying to fit them into a right field role was not putting them in the best position to succeed. And you give them the ability to focus on developing their bats at the highest level and not trying to have to learn a new position on top of that. I, I would assume that that's how the White Sox view it as well. Please tell me we're not going to see too much of Eloy in the outfield. Please, Jordan. Please. <laughs> you, know, you know how I feel about that. So I, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's going to be either him or Vaughn or Sheets. I mean, someone's got to play out there. And that's the problem. You know, Adam Engel being healthy would solve a lot of issues, especially late in games. Um, because he that allows you to replace Eloy with uh, Angle defensively late in games, and, and you can feel a bit better um, mm -hmm. about Eloy's long-term health of that. But overall, he's going to start a lot of games out there because he, he's there, there's still no better solution. <laughs> and unfortunately, you know, with Vaughn and Sheets at DH, it, it's kind of 
this team's got a lot of DH type players. So unfortunately, Eloy's going to have to play a little bit of left field this year. <laughs> now, one one other position that was filled during the offseason, shortly after the lockout ended, was at second base. Of course, Larry Garcia was signed as a free agent before the lockout took place back in December. But they pick up Josh Harrison. He's been around around the horn with Pittsburgh and Washington, and now he's with with the White Sox. So, uh, I think his bat, is, in my personal opinion, I think his bat is going to be okay. We didn't bring him here to hit 30 home runs. He's not that type of guy. He can put up some decent numbers, but I'm really concerned with him is defensively. I want him and Tim Anderson to be one of the best defensive combos, especially in terms of turning double, double plays in baseball. What do you think about Josh Harrison, especially defensively? I think Josh Harrison is very strong defensively. Um, he has had, in, in the past maybe two seasons, some of his best defensive seasons. And I think mm -hmm. that bodes well for what the White Sox are looking for out of that position. Honestly, you have eight guys who can really hit the ball out of the ballpark, and then you add in Harrison, who doesn't strike out too much, but also can hit the ball out of the ballpark with some frequency. It's a weaker position overall in baseball, second base. You're okay putting a weaker bat out there. And that's not to say he's a bad bat. He's mm -hmm. someone who, between him and Garcia, will hold down the position effectively until the White Sox find a long-term solution. I, I like the move. I didn't think they had to spend big at every position. And if they chose one position to not spend big, I'm glad it was at second base. What's sort of the plan with Dallas Keuchel? Is he going to be kind of like that middle relief guy? Are they going to try to start him to eat up innings? And also, too, do you think they'll trade him as we get close, close to the trade deadline? They are 100% going to have to view him as a starter right now, especially because of Lynn's injury. That being said, they don't want him to have, be on this team next year, I don't think. And in order to do that, they need to make sure he stays under 160 innings this year. So Keiko's role is going to be eight innings up to 160 so that that option doesn't vest. And he's, I think it's either 16 or $18 million, mm -hmm. doesn't become part of the team next year. Now, that that's sort of what the vision is, but... If guys start to get hurt and, and guys, you know, he needs to be there to eat more innings, that poses a problem. But at, at least for now, you can feel comfortable saying that, you know, he's going to start. It may not be great, but they're going to keep him under 160 innings, knowing what the alternative is. Uh, still sticking with that starting rotation, Jordan. Of course, you're the president of the Dylan Cease fan club. Of course, Dylan posted <laughs> a 13 and seven record uh, from a year ago with a 3.91 ERA. Uh, everybody on the starting pitches that struggled in the playoffs against uh, the Astros this year, especially now due to the to the Lance Land injury. Dylan Cease will be bumped up to the number two spot. Uh, he, I still think that he has the best stuff on the staff, just like you like you think so. Uh, what do you expect out of him this year? I expect him to take the next step forward for him, and that's just, you know, it from 2020 to 2021, it was start throwing more first pitch strikes. And now it's, mm -hmm. okay, he's starting to do that. Now stop taking 0-2 and 1-2 pounds and turning them into 2-2, 3-2 and walking you guys. If you can trust your stuff just that bit more where you don't feel like you have to make the perfect pitch and then you miss and now it's 2-2, two, two, it's 3-2, and now you walked him and I threw a whole bunch of pitches doing that, you're going to be more effective as a ball player. And I think that's that next step for him that I'm really looking forward to him taking. And like you said, right now he's the two in the rotation. I expect him to pitch like that. He's got 
the best stuff in the rotation and it's all about harnessing it. I get it. Trust me. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you know, this is another year of development and growth for him under Ethan Katz. And I'd expect him to take that next step forward. How about Jose Abreu? I mean, he's 35 now. Can he still be that productive that we've seen these last few years, especially in his MVP season? You hope so. I mean, he's meant to be a big part of this offense. And 35, you're starting to get to that age where you start to see some sort of decline. And for Abreu, it's going to be measuring for himself. I think he's been very self-aware of, you know, I might not be back next year. I, I This might be the end of the road for me. So it, it's going to be a combination of, you know, balancing against the typical aging process, as well as making sure he's in a position where the Sox are maximizing his productivity. I think if you look for him to continue to be the guy he's been, that's fine. But you also have to recognize that this might be the first year he takes that step back. Every time I say that or someone says that, he proves us wrong. And that's the good thing. But in reality, <laughs> Father Time is undefeated. So making sure that the Sox have a plan just in case this is the year things start to catch up, that, that's kind of the key. But I, I, I would expect him to still be a huge part of this offense this year. Halfway home with our guy Jordan Lazowski from Sox on 35th right here on Second City Sports, the Monday edition, real live in 11 color. Right here on Sports on Chicago, Sid Lakina here with you. Jordan, let's focus in on 26-year-old third baseman, Johan Makata. Uh, fans have been waiting for him to bust out with the all-star appearance or MVP-like type season. It just hasn't happened yet. He had a 263 average from a year ago with 14 home runs and 61 RBI with an OPS of 787. Uh, um, we, all, we all know the story by now that he struggled with with COVID a couple of years ago last year, he still has some minor issues here and there. What I do like, like about him is that he was very good defensively last year and not enough people give him credit for that. Can he finally put it all together to have an outstanding season? Yeah, I think that's what you're looking for. You know, you have seen him grow in little ways over the course of his career. I think last year was one of his best in terms of, you know, having good at bats. Now where the power went, I don't think any of us really know. Um, because he hit a lot fewer homers than I think anyone was expecting. I think if that that's probably the biggest criticism of Moncada from last year mm-hmm. was trying to figure out where the power went. And maybe he's only a guy that hits 15 to 20 homers. But if he can continue to be a, a strong defensive third baseman on top of being someone who works the count, gets on base, and sets the table for guys behind him, that's fine too. But – in terms of raw talent and raw ability and what to expect, I think if there's any year he's going to break out, this is going to be the one. Because now he's comfortable, he's back in, and he's a couple of years removed from COVID. And at the same time, the Sox are in the best position as a unit to take the pressure off of him to feel like he has to do everything. So th- this should be the best year for him in-, in terms of ability. Now, if we go through another year and he only hits about 15, 20 homers, now the expectations for who he is has to change. And he'll probably still put together a great season no matter how many homers he hits. But I think it's that power output that, you know, some of his detractors and some of his uh, most avid supporters are still kind of disagreeing on. Let's talk about the rest of the AL Center for a second, Jordan. I, I feel like I have no clue what half these teams are doing. So, you know, let's go through, like, you know, the quick Cliff Notes version. Minnesota, does anybody know what Minnesota is doing? Do they know? You know, they think they were going to dump payroll, but then you got Carlos Correa and Sonny Gray. 
and they picked up Chris Archer last week. Of course, you know, Kansas City. I mean, we really don't need to, you know, Salvador Perez is still pretty good at his age, so we won't, we won't go into too much <laughs> into that. Uh, Detroit, you know, some people say that could they perhaps maybe make a move this year? Well, for the wild card, maybe not for the division. You know, they got Javi Baez, Eduardo Rodriguez, and such. And of course, the you know, now the, the Cleveland Guardians that's going to take some getting used to, right? Um, they got you got you got Nuke Mille, you know, to add, you know, to definitely in the catcher spot. and you know, Jake Jewell, you know, to rush up, you know, to shore up that, uh, that bullpen. So what do you think about the rest of the division? Yeah. So I think the two most immediate, um, competitors, I guess, in, in terms of the AL Central are going to be the Tigers most, uh, most or soonest, I guess, because their time's coming. They're going to be a good team this year. They won't be that great, but they are a year, maybe two max. Like I would expect them to be super competitive in the AL Central starting next season. The Twins are a little bit more of a mystery. I, I think they made some good moves in, in terms of being ready to compete sooner rather than later. At the same time, Correa could turn around, opt out after this year, and decide not to come back because someone else gives him a long-term deal that he's looking for. So it's setting themselves up nicely if they wanted to move guys at the deadline maybe and not feel like they're um, handcuffed by bad money. I think Donaldson was a contract they were happy to move. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, if Correa opts in, Sonny Gray sticks around. I think that's still a good ball club. They still have a lot, a lot of work to do. And they got some good young talent coming in, in the next couple of years. But I think the biggest team to worry about for the White Sox in the coming future is going to be the Tigers. Okay. Uh, following up with that, Jordan, where do you see the White Sox stacking up against the rest of the American League? Of course, Texas made some big money moves in the offseason. Now they're going to, I believe, year two of their new ballpark. Uh, this year three, but year two with fans in mm-hmm. there. Of course, Oakland stripping down payroll. Uh, Houston has taken a small step back, but they're still going to be very good uh, over in the AL East. Uh, Toronto, they're coming. They barely missed the, uh, the playoffs last year. You still have the Yankees. You still have Tampa Bay, which no one's talked about, even though they got bounced in the first round last year, even though they won 100 games. Where do you see this, uh, the Southside Hitman stacking, stacking up against the, mess, the rest of the American League? They are. There are very few teams that you can really make an argument are better than the White Sox, top to bottom. Now, Blue Jays are one of those teams, obviously. I think the Yankees are always going to be perennially one of those teams. Um, but, but when you look at the rosters in general, I think those are really two teams that are like, maybe these are the guys who are going to give the Sox the most problems. I think the Mariners aren't too far away from doing that, mm-hmm. just like the Tigers aren't. Um the Red Sox are always a team you can't count out. But when you look top to bottom on rosters, I, I think the White Sox, on paper, have one of the strongest, if not the strongest. You, it would be hard to make an argument that anyone is that much stronger than the White Sox in the AL. Now, you got to go out and you got to win ball games, and that's what it comes down to. That's where the difference lies. But at the same time, you know they're, they're putting themselves in a good position to win a lot of ball games this year. Should be very interesting too, especially with the rest of it. Do you see any, you know, do you see maybe, you know, Lynn or Giolito want, you know, once Lynn comes back and maybe, you know, maybe, you know, Abreu again, maybe, you know, Eloy or Robert. Do you see any of them, you know, perhaps competing for one of the, you know, for AL MVP or Cy Young? Do you see any of that happening? I think between Cease, Giolito, and Lynn, and, um, Luis Robert, and even let's just throw out a wild card and say Yon Moncada. There are plenty of guys on this team who could garner Cy Young MVP type support. 
Um, and, and I think when this team's clicking in all cylinders, there are a lot of all-stars, a lot of Cy Youngs uh, on this team. And I'd hope that, you know, I think Robert's kind of the biggest pick among fans to be MVP. And I think that's a fair one because you've seen what he can do and you've seen what he can be. And, and I think this is an exciting team that has that sort of talent at the top. Last moment or two with our guy Jordan Lazowski from Sox on 35th right here on Sports Zone Chicago. You're listening to Second City Sports, the Monday edition, live in the living color. Sid Kenny here with you. Jordan, we had you on our podcast last year before we switched over to Sports Zone Chicago. And one of the questions we asked our panel, you were a part of, uh, which starting pitcher was going to win 20 games? Uh, I know there was, uh, I threw out Dallas Keigo, of course, I had egg on my face. I know you had Dylan Cease. He only had 13 wins last year. Now this year, even though Lance Lynn will miss perhaps the first two months of the season, uh, do you see a, a potential of a 20-game winner on the Sox staff this year? I think it could be Giolito. I think he's the guy who takes another step forward. And, I mean, you, you've heard and seen the stories about him adding muscle to make sure he <laughs> – is stronger throughout both all his starts and throughout all or the entire season. That's a guy who's looking for a big contract in a couple of years. I think it's going to be incumbent on him to take that next step forward and really establish himself. And I think if there's anyone on this roster who would be a good bet for that sort of uh, milestone, I'd take him. What about what about that contract? I mean, there was like a two like two hundred grand or maybe like less than two hundred grand difference between Giolito and the White Sox. Mm-hmm. Once they do start, you know, I can only imagine what the extension talks are going to be like between those two because right. there's going to be give me some give and take. Do you think he gets that big money or does he end up having to go elsewhere? I know his dad kind of put it. I don't want to say his dad put it out there, but I think, you know, hey, pay my son for you know what he's worth. So what do you think happens? And not be too early to talk about that, mm-hmm. but what's your like your early sort of, you know, projections? I think he gets the big money. I'm not sure it's with the White Sox. I'll, I'll be honest there. The, if you go look at a guy like Jose Barrios, who just signed a seven-year, $130 million extension with the Blue Jays, mm-hmm. that's going to be what Giolito walks the table with. And the Sox have never given someone a seven-year contract. So you look at it in that sense, it's like maybe someone else will give him that money in, instead of the White Sox. I'd love for him to be a White Sox for, or White Sox for life. That being said, I know how the White Sox have typically operated. I'd love for them to change course with someone like Giolito, who's more than earned that sort of Barrios-type extension. I think he's a better pitcher than Barrios, certainly. Um, So when when you put that together, someone's going to pay him a lot of money. And I do hope it's the White Sox, but we'll find out. We'll cross that bridge. Uh, fan favorite Tim Anderson Jordan. Uh, he, he he's the leader of the team in terms of the attitude and the swag uh, uh, in and out that clubhouse. Last year, uh, he barely batted 300, but he had some big hits with 17 home runs and 61 RBI with an OPS of uh, 80. Uh, 0.806 rather do you expect those offensive numbers to slightly increase for tim anderson because defensively i thought he got better last year i expect that to continue but what about his numbers offensively at this point it's kind of foolish to count tim anderson out of exceeding expectations in any format i think every year you've heard people say oh he won't hit 300 again oh he won't do this again and he goes out and does it and and it's impressive what he's done for this team and for himself in general I think he's well outplayed the contract he's currently on, and that's more power to him. I would expect him to have another Tim Anderson-like year. Hit 300, hit some balls out of the ballpark, and continue to be the leader of this team. And whatever that ends up in in, in the numbers at the end of the day, 
remains to be seen probably, but this is the leader of the ball club for a reason. He's a guy that Sox fans should be proud to have as the face of their franchise. Okay, what is your win total? Now, I guess some of the Bovada odds, some of the other odds, you know, FanDuel odds have like a 90 to like 95. What Mm -hmm. do you think? I'll say 93 or 94. I think losing Lynn Hurts, don't get me wrong, but this team won 93 games last year with Mm -hmm. guys like Jimenez and Robert and Grandal all missing significant portions of time. This is a talented team. And, you know, the, the pitching staff may have bailed out the offense a lot last year, and now with Lynn's injury, it's now going to be the offense's turn to bail out the pitching staff. So I, I still see this as a 90-plus win team. I'm saying 93-94 wins. Okay, before we wrap it up with you, Jordan, 93-94 uh, wins, as you as you said, uh, where does this team end up? Will they end up in the World Series appearance? Will they bow out in the first round like they did last year? Will they finally get to the America, at least the American League Championship Series? What say you? I think it's all going to depend on just the internal adjustments they make. You know, last year we saw in the playoffs, all they did was hit singles and mm-hmm. their starters got lit up. And I think if you can control that a lot more, your internal preparation as a team a lot better, this team could win the World Series, truthfully. That, that's what they've been built for. Mm-hmm. I will go on the record and say my official prediction is they lose in the World Series. I, I think they will lose the Dodgers as the team that just has been there so much and has the experience and added a guy like Freddie Freeman to just completely mm-hmm. one and one to nine, that, that team is stacked. So that's my official prediction. I think that, but this team's good enough to control their own destiny, honestly. So being out there, internal preparation, scouting reports for games, hit the ball out of the ballpark and, and you're going to win a lot of ball games, even in the playoffs. What, what names do you think? I know we're like really early because the season has started. Yes. So what, you know, God, you know, hopefully the White Sox will be right up there, you know, competing you know, for the division and such. What names that are out there that White Sox fans should look for, maybe, you know, perhaps maybe join the team after the trade deadline? Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, probably looking at a starting pitcher. You know, there are guys who like Frankie Montas of the A's who still hasn't been traded yet, you know, until he's traded. That's a name to continue to keep an eye on. I don't know if the White Sox will have what it takes to acquire him, uh, but that's a name to keep an eye on. And then from there, the easiest way to kind of identify guys is who are the teams that really start to struggle? Do the Twins offload Sonny Gray? Is that what their kind of plan was all along? The Reds, Tyler Maley. Like if the Reds aren't good, they could offload another contract there too. So you'll mm-hmm. see those teams that start to flame out, I guess, early on. Those will be where you start to look at it. And for the Sox, you should expect to see starting pitchers. I think one through nine, there's not much they're going to want to add to this team offensively. They're going to want to do it on the pitching staff. And I think they've set themselves up to do that. All right. This has been our good friend Jordan Lazowski from Sox on 35th. You can follow him on all social media platforms. You can go to SoxOn35th.com to get uh, the latest articles from him and from that entire uh, staff. And they are partnering up with uh, Sox in the Basement Podcast. Make sure you check out that podcast as well. Before we let you go, Jordan, uh, I, I announced on this show uh, last uh, last week that uh, yours truly is a season ticket holder of the White Sox. I know you're a season ticket holder as well. Are you going to opening day next Tuesday? It looks like the weather forecast is supposed to be decent at least. Opening day is going to be tough. It's at three o'clock start in the middle yes. of the work day. That's brutal. So it's yeah. going to be touch or go. <laughs> I, I would love to, but you know, 
duty calls sometimes. Yeah, so. no, we'll I, 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 I get <laughs> it. I, I get it. I <laughs> got the tw- yeah, I got the twenty game package, and so uh, hopefully I'll get to see you and, and some of the Sox Absolutely. Twitter friends out there more this year. I'm going to be out there a little bit more this year, so it should be another fun, exciting season of the on the South Side, and hopefully the Sox can do better than what they did a year ago. Thank you once again for joining us here today on Second City Sports. Great job as always, and we're definitely going to get back in touch with you as the season goes along. Can't wait, and hopefully I'll see you guys at the ball games. Uh, thanks for having me on, as always. Always appreciate it. No problem. Thanks, Jordan. Back at you. Stay safe. Will do. Take care. All right. Once again, that was Jordan Lazowski from Sox on 35th and SoxOn35th.com giving us his thoughts on the White Sox for this upcoming 2022 season. The White Sox kick off their new season this Friday at Detroit at 12, 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. Lucas Giolito will get the start for the South Siders. Lakina, let's wrap up the show on the other side of this break, get into the Bruce Arians situation. Todd Bowles is a new head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we'll give you some baseball predictions here and there as the season starts later on this week. And we have a couple of um, nuggets from the sports media world. Keep it right here. You're listening to Second City Sports, live in the 11 color on the Monday edition. I'm Sid. That's Lakina. You're listening to Sports Zone Chicago. Promotivemap.com presents the Sports Flash on the Sports Zone Chicago. NBA Thursday, the Bulls dropped their second straight, 126-109 the loss at New Orleans. The Bulls are 42-31 with the setback. Zach Levine led the scoring for Chicago with 39 points. Kobe White had 23. The Pelicans got 30 points from Devontae Graham, 25 from C.J. McCollum, and a double-double from Jonas Valanciunas. Up next for the Bulls, they'll try and snap the skid tomorrow night when they visit Cleveland. The Blackhawks put a two-game winning streak on the line tomorrow when they visit the Vegas Golden Knights. Chicago with a 4-3 win at Los Angeles yesterday. Alex DeBrincat had the shootout winner. Colin Delia made 43 saves through overtime in just his second start of the season. Spring training Thursday, the Angels beat the Cubs 5-4. Today, it'll be the Cubs taking on the Rockies. The Giants beat the White Sox 9-6. Today, the Sox will face the Mariners. For lightning fast sports updates, download the Score app. It's free and one of the most popular sports apps in North America. I'm Chuck Sanders. That's the Sports Flash on the Sports Zone Chicago. Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. I'm a speed bump. Did you hear what I said? I'm a speed bump. And if you have cut-rate car insurance, the cost to reattach your muffler could really be a bump in the road. So switch to Allstate, save money, and be better protected from mayhem, like me. Based on coverage and limits selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. In most states, prices vary based on how you buy. Allstate Bar and Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Have you wanted to speak a new language but thought it'd be too difficult or take too much time? Then try Babbel. In just 15 minutes a day, Babbel teaches you conversations that you will actually use. With 14 languages and lesson topics like travel, business, relationships, and more, you'll learn what matters most to you. Babbel. Language for life. Learn a new language with ease. Go to Babbel.com to try for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com.
Welcome back to Second City Sports. You're live and they live in color right here on Sports on Chicago, the Monday edition, along with Miss Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. As we uh, we were talking with Jordan Lazowski during our last segment for um, previewing the 2022 Chicago White Sox, uh, he gave us his thoughts on his prediction on what's going to happen for this upcoming season. Just a couple of quick thoughts from the baseball world before we move on. Uh, what Jordan talked about uh, during our last segment is that this this team, the White Sox, they hit 194 home runs during the regular season. At times, they are still a station-to-station team, but I want to see them uh, um, advance the runs a little bit more, see a little bit more bases. Uh, to be fair, Tim Anderson had a hamstring injury, which hindered him throughout most of the second half of the season last year. Hopefully they can improve on that. He's a very good base runner along with Larry, not Larry Garcia and Luis Robert. Hopefully he could be stay healthy for an entire year. Uh, the, the White Sox need to create more runs instead of going station to station. Yeah, it, it's definitely. And that's probably what, look, I think it was pitching. And we talked about it with Jordan, you know, a few minutes ago. It was pitching and the fact that the bats went cold those last mm-hmm. couple of games against the Astros in that divisional series last year. So they really need to get that together. I know, I think they've addressed that with, you know, Josh Harris and AJ Pong. I think they can help, especially with both of them having, you know, postseason experience. So that also helps as well. Joe Kelly, once he's back into the groove, you know, he like he's been there too. So he brings that experience yeah. as well. So there's no reason why the White Sox shouldn't win this division. Pre- I don't, don't want to say they'll win it handily, but I yeah. think that they should definitely win the division. They could win 93, 94 games like Jordan, you know, predicted as well. Mm-hmm. So I think they'll be fine. I, I think, look, as long as they can avoid any more serious injuries, you know, God forbid mm-hmm. you get, you get like a, a Tim Anderson gets hurt or who was there, Bray, you remember when we said mm-hmm. he's 35 now and among others, yeah. you know, Grandal and Moncada, especially if, if Giulio, God forbid, gets hurt. So as long as they can avoid any more serious injuries, they should be fine. Yeah, we'll get into our baseball predictions coming up later on in the show. But he had a present issue from the world of football, which we didn't get to last week. Of course, Bruce Arians has kicked upstairs. Now the former head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Todd Bowles, takes over. And I believe this will be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' fourth black head coach in franchise mm-hmm. history. Of course, Tom Brady will come back. He has one year left on that contract, which he signed for, uh, which he signed a couple of years ago. Um, he has some thoughts about this. Yeah, it's sort of interesting that you're seeing a lot of people say making conspiracy theories. You know, oh, this is the only reason why you know he came. You know, Tom Brady came back was because what the deal was. You know, to get rid of Bruce Arians, put him upstairs, and bring in Todd Bowles. Look, as you saw by some of the comments, some of the guys, you know, Mike Evans. You know, and Dobbin Sue. I mean, they love him, you know, on that team. So, and, and I'm sure, so I'm sure there's no reason why Tom Brady doesn't either. So, he, he got, he brings a lot of respect. You know, he didn't get his, you know, he didn't get his due. Um, and, and then with the Jets, you know, of course, it was going to be hard to do for anybody to do anything with the Jets. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can take that for what it's worth. So, the team set up for him. And plus, you know, that NFC style is very winnable. I know the Saints have made some moves and such, but, you know, Atlanta, you know, they're not going to be pretty much of a factor now with Carolina. So the Saints are probably like, the only team that they probably have to compete against this year for that division. So, yeah. So, you know, I think, look, Bruce Aaron's done a lot for the organization, has done a lot for the NFL. If you saw, you know, his, you know, his college roommate was Tiki and Rondé Barber's dad. If you saw, there was a picture of him holding, you know, both, you know, Tiki and Rondé when they were little babies, you know, that was like, and the, and the hair too, that the hair kind of threw me off because I <laughs> he was hurt. It was very <laughs> like seeing him with hair, but you know, yeah. look, this is a guy that's done a lot of great things for the league. I think he is a hall of famer. He probably may have to wait a few years, but you know, look, he's everyone's look. We're, I'm surprised he didn't retire after they won the Super Bowl because that was really the only thing that was missing on his resume. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, 
I mean, I know people can make conspiracy theories. I guess that's what folks do. But you know, I just wanted to say it because we didn't get a chance to talk about it on, on Friday. And I think, look, there's no reason why they shouldn't change too much with Todd Bowles. I mean, Bowles is a defensive guy like Arians, Arians was. So, you know, it really isn't, you know, and the team is up to win. So it, it shouldn't really be that big of a, of a downturn. Yeah, I, I, I expect the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to stay on point. As you mentioned, Todd Bowles did a great job to, um, two seasons ago being the Kansas City Chiefs with a great defensive game plan, stopping Patrick Mahomes and crew. Of course, remember, uh, the two office, uh, key offensive linemen were injured for that game, but it was still a great performance by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. I expect that defense, uh, they had their struggles uh, um, toward the end of last year. I expect that defense to uh, pick it back up. And offensively, uh, they still should be fine, especially in the wide-open NFC. So, but it, it was a it, it was a simple move, the only move that could make. I know some people say they should have given Byron Leverage that job. I, I think he's long for a head coaching job, just not with his veteran team right now. And so Todd Bowles will, uh, will do a fine job. He's always like a poor man's version of Lovey Smith, and no one's going to run over him. So Tampa Bay is in good hands, so we'll, we should see what happens. With, we'll see what happens with that for the upcoming 2022 NFL season. You're listening to Second City Sports on Sports Zone Chicago. I'm Sid Lakina on the Monday as we wrap up today's show. We still have some time left, Lakina. Let's go uh, to the college, back to the college basketball world. The Duke-North Carolina game last Saturday has is the most higher-rated game uh, since 2017, the national semifinal in 2017. Uh, as we talked about uh, in our last hour, uh, many uh, fans, including yours truly, anticipated this game. It was a very good game to watch. Uh, we didn't get a classic buzzer beater, but we saw a great battle between two great teams. Uh, so did most of America. And, and it's been the highest rated national semifinal game in five years. Yeah, and I think, you know, this is, if you're, again, if you're CBS, you're kicking yourselves that you didn't get a chance to, you know, broadcast that mm-hmm. game, but if you're turning, you're still taking, I mean, like, it was actually, it was a good game, like, it, we didn't get the buzzer beater, like, I know some, some people thought that maybe we get a buzzer beater from one of these teams, but mm-hmm. look, you know, you got a big shot late, so it's not, you know, not a big, not too big of a disappointment there, but look, it turned out to be a great game, it was Coach K's last game. You know, it was all set up for them. So, yeah, the storyline was there. I think we should get a good rating tonight, especially as you have two blue buds in North Carolina and Kansas. You know, both teams, they got championships. This isn't their first rodeo. I mean, I know this is going to be Hubert Davis's first rodeo, but he won a couple, you know, as an assistant, you know, with War Williams. Mm-hmm. So, I'm sure, you know, he learned the War Williams of what to do. And the, the Royal Williams Bowl, because if you remember, the first, you know, the, the first five before he went to was when he was with Kansas, and he actually beat North Carolina. So, but of course, of course, we all know that Royal Williams is a North Carolina guy and, and such. So he'll be cheering for his Tar Heels. But it should be a fun game. It should be, it should get a really good race. As long as it's a, a close game, you know, even though, you know, last year's game was actually pretty highly rated, even though it was totally one sided, but. It should be a really, you know, it should be rated pretty high. So if you're a turner, you'll be happy with the numbers. Yes, we'll see what happens tonight. Let's let's go do that hockey, Lakina. For I don't know, it will be less than sixty seconds, but we'll try. <laughs> the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, they they're struggling this season. They took it again on the chin last night, losing to the Arizona Coyotes, who's worse than them, three to two in overtime. But the big story. Uh, was that Chris Vosters will be the new TV uh, play-by-play voice for the Chicago Blackhawks going forward. He will replace the legendary Pat Foley. He will call his last game as a member of the Blackhawks next Thursday night against the San Jose Sharks. And next Sunday, 
against the Dallas Stars. Him and Dale Talon, Dale Talon one time, yeah. uh, one time a uh, partner of his back in the late 80s into the 90s. They'll do one last broadcast during that telecast next Sunday night. Well, uh, you know, uh, our, our girl Cheryl raced out from WBEZ. She was the one of the first who broke the news about Dale Talon, mm-hmm. you know, doing that last home game. So it'll be nice to see. It'll be bittersweet, no doubt, because, you know, we, you know, this is the team we grew up with, you know, the Wild team we grew mm-hmm. up with. So that should be a fun. I'm sure going to be a lot of reminiscing and a lot of tears, too. But about yeah. Chris Voss, I know we, I know you were lobbying for Jason Ross Jr. for that. Yeah, job. friend of the show. the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, but, you know, I think, look, Chris, you know, comes with a lot of experience. You know, he's done pretty much everything. So, you know, mm-hmm. from minor league baseball to minor league hockey to college hockey, mm-hmm. college football, college hoops, both on the men's and women's side, even volleyball. So he actually was off about. I thought he was, I thought he was under thirty. He's actually thirty one. <laughs> so I was totally. <laughs> uh, I was a little bit. I'm sure. Look, I'm, I won't tell him that. Cause I'm sure he'll be. He'll be. Well, I hope we'll have it on the show too at, at some point. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know. But yeah, I think I think they made the right decision. We'll be. We'll see. You know who he uh, teams with. Will it be Kobe Cohen? Will it be uh, I forgot uh, Eddie Olick, Eddie Olick's, um oldest son? I know he's been doing a lot uh, of TV mm-hmm. too. Nick, yeah, Nick, Nick Olchek. Yeah. Um, okay, Kaylee Chelios, she's really good. You know, they might make some history there and put her as the first female to do play by play analyst work for uh, an NHL team. So we, we may see that. So yeah, but I think they I think they made the right choice. The Hawks did. I, I feel like I know they're going to go younger. We we know they were going to go younger, and they did. They mm-hmm. did you know, they, they, they really couldn't go wrong with either. Um, you know, either him, you know, Mike Monaco or Jason. So they could go wrong. They couldn't go wrong either. So I think they made the right choice and hopefully we'll have him on the show at some point. But, you know, congrats, Chris. I know he's going to do a great job. Yeah, congrats to Chris as well. Uh, as you, uh, also, we forgot to mention that he did the Olympics too this past yes, year. So And so uh, he last has some... Couple, last, I think he, the last three Olympics that he's done, I think yeah. he did the, the Tokyo one last year, of course. He did, he did um, hockey too. So yeah, so he's been practicing. So he he... He got this, folks. Don't worry. I think he, he knows. And he's from Wisconsin, but we like him anyway. But <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, as you mentioned, hopefully we can get him on the show sometime down the road. And the, the Hawks uh, brass actually made a, a good decision for once. Yeah. So, so we'll, give, we'll give him some props. <laughs> we'll for, off, yes. <laughs> yeah, we'll give him some props for that. Uh, continuing with our sports uh, media news segment, let's go. National, let's go to New York City. Lakina, I'll read the headline for you. I don't know if you saw this. The Yes Network has hired mm-hmm. Carlos Beltran, the one-time New York <laughs> Met, uh, the Houston Astro, uh, twice, uh, the Kansas City <laughs> Royals from back in the day. You Sox, old-school Sox fans that remember, it was him and Johnny Damon doing damage to those Sox teams in the early 2000s. Uh, the Yes Network, which the the home network for the New York Yankees, the flagship station, has hired him as an analyst, and he finally talks about the science-stealing scandal a miss that the Astros World Series win is stained. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that, <laughs> yeah, I saw some of that yesterday. I saw, like, the, the quotes from it, and it was just, like, of course. So I'm sure he's going to be asked about it, I'm sure, especially if the Mets do play the uh, the Astros. I think they do. Uh, that'll be very interesting. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure <laughs> – just that alone is just uh, it's just hilarious. But uh, I'm sure he'll he'll do fine. And I uh, look, I'm sure the 
Yeah, I, I got nothing else to say. <laughs> oh, this, this is just hilarious to me. Yeah. I'm just going just, just gonna to chuckle. <laughs> and, and sticking with the Yankees, uh, this was a big uh, talking point on, on Sports Talk Radio in New York City last week. Uh, the t- we, know, we all know about the new uh, national TV schedule. The mm-hmm. Apple TV Friday night doubleheaders yes. will start this, this Friday. Peacock is going to get involved with a couple of games on Sundays as the season goes along. But the New York Yankees, they tried this last year, only about mm-hmm. five games. Oh, so last year, it looks like it's going to at least 15% of the schedule of their schedule. I believe around 20 to 25 games this year, the New York Yankees will have it exclusively on Amazon Prime. Last year, they had it on Amazon Prime and WPIX. There's, that's the New York City's version of Channel 9 here in Chicago. So, but this year, the New York Yankees will have at least 20 to 25 games exclusively on Amazon Prime. It will be produced by the Yes Network. So, if you and if you're in New York City and don't have Amazon Prime, you better get it, or else you won't be able to see uh, uh, 20 New York Yankee games. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if any of the other teams follow suit. I know that the the Cubs have been kind of you know flowing around, perhaps maybe doing their own streaming services. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We'll NBC Sports Chicago ABC's as well. Will, yes, so uh, it'll be interesting to see if other networks and if other teams decide to follow suit here because it's people need options. You got a lot of cord cutters. I know our, our buddy Armando. I know his son. You know, he said his son's a cord cutter. Cutter. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting, though. I, I feel like you know not. I know folks who are not don't have like Apple TV and those other streaming services. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you going to do? Do you try to maybe perhaps find other, you know, avenues to watch or something? So, right. <laughs> that's, yeah, if you can't get right. those, especially if it's a big game, too, is it going to be mm-hmm. like, is Mets Yankees going to be one of those games that gets streamed exclusively? Will it be, you know, Yankees or Red Sox? Will that be, will one of those games be? And I think, I think it's all like some of those, a couple of those games are going to be streamed exclusively. So on Peacock and also Apple. So, yeah, it's going to get very it, get a little bit dicey here, but uh, we'll see how this goes. Yeah. And also to the White Sox, uh, just uh, just for early note for our White Sox fans watching and listening. Next Friday night's game against the Tampa Bay Rays will start at six o'clock here in Chicago. And that game will be exclusively streamed on Apple TV just to give you guys a heads up. Early heads up on that. Uh, sticking to the world of baseball, Tim McCarver, longtime broadcaster for uh, Fox TV, he retired following the 2013 World Series. He was doing work for the, with the St. Louis Cardinals the la- until the last couple of years uh, due to the pandemic. Of course, back in the day, he used to um, sub uh, mm-hmm. sub um, uh, did some analyst work on the side for. Uh, the New York Mets and the New York Yankees locally in New York City. Of course, he's a former MLB player. Of course, mm-hmm. you remember his work throughout the years on ABC and CBS when uh, when they had the package for MLB. He finally decides to call it a career. Probably one of the best analysts, I think. I know some people kind of are, he's a polarizing figure, if you will, but mm-hmm. he is really, um, yeah, he's a really good, you know, he didn't, you know, he always told it like it was. He's very old very old school in his commentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you saw, of course, you know, famously, at, I think it was 91 or 92, you know, he got splashed with ice water by Deion Sanders, who he was playing. You're a real man, Deion. <laughs> You're a real man, yeah. That, that's you know, that's out there, too. So, yeah, so he, he kind of, he wasn't, but he also wasn't afraid to make fun of himself either. So, mm-hmm. you know, but like, and, and look, it's, you know, calling, I think he's been doing this for what, I think, like, what, it, almost like 45 years or something like yeah. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. So, you know, give or take. So, yeah, I, I think, look, you know, 
a great career. And I'm look, he's been look, he stuck my throat even throughout the pandemic and you know, through you know, through the you know, near the end of this. So yeah, so good for him. I know he wants to say he wants to spend more time with his grandkids. So I say good for him and look, I think the end of an era. Yeah, and speaking of an era, we'll stick with MLB, the MLB Network. I don't have the official date in front of me, but they they produced a documentary which features um, Hall of Famer Don Manley of the, of the New York Yankees. Ah. It's going to premiere soon. I can't wait to see that. I will give this uh, to MLB Network. They have produced uh, some great documentaries over the last mm-hmm. few years with the Atlanta Braves uh, documentary, yep. the Cleveland Indians. To, I believe both of those you can catch right here on YouTube. The Cleveland Indians um, documentary, the dynasty that was. The King Griffey Jr. one was great. The Dave Parker one, shout out to Ken Davis, our colleague at NBC Sports Chicago, the Undercenter podcast for the Chicago Bears. And you can catch him on that Davis show right here on YouTube. Uh, he raved, definitely raved about that documentary by Dave Parker. I don't know mm-hmm. if you get a chance to see that one, Lakina. That was very good. I've so, seen that one. Yeah, that was really the good. The MLB Network and MLB Productions has stepped up their documentary game over the last few years. Yeah, they have. And this should be this should be a fun one, too. <laughs> I mean, I, I uh, yeah, this, that's, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. This should, this should be a lot of fun. That's what, that one should be really, this one should be really good they got coming up. This should be really fun. Yeah, and you know, Don Manley retired the year before they won the World Series in 96. I know he's kicking himself in the pants for that one. I know they're going to get into that. He still, look, to this day, I think he did an interview like not too long ago. He still say that he's still, you know, even it's been over 20 years, he's still like, over 25 years, he's still like kicking himself that he retired. Like he could have had another ring, but you know, look. Yeah, you know, he had his reasons though. I mean, you know, injuries and such. So I I think he, he knows that he retired the right time, but he's still like, ah, oh, crap. Like, I should have waited yeah. until after. And you know who took his place was Wade Boggs, Wade who Boggs, used to yeah. play with the, waist, with the white size. Got the horse horseback yep. ride after they beat the Braves in 96. Yep. Yep. And I was like, that's Don Manley's spot. <laughs> yes, yes. So, uh, no, he's kicking, I know he's kicking. I'm sure he was kicking himself then, too, when he saw that, the, yep. that horse. Like, oh, crap. I could have I had that, but. Like he's doing okay for himself, so he, he's not. Yeah. I'm sure he's not like hurting too much, but uh, he's doing okay. He's doing just fine. <laughs> uh, continuing with our sports media nuggets, uh, Mike Florio of ProFootballTalk.com and from NBC Sports Sunday Night Football has released a new book called Playmakers, it's, uh, and it's a comfortable conversations with the NFL um, with stories galore. Will you be checking out that book or excerpts from that book? No. It, I mean, maybe, I don't know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting though. I mean, that, that, that book was, uh, I've heard about the book and I, I, I thought, mm, you know, it's something maybe not, I'm not going to be interested in, but I, I might see the excerpts of it because I know they're out there, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, mm, not, not really my cup of tea. <laughs> if it surprisingly does well, it might get turned into a movie. Just saying, <laughs> I'm not predicting it, but <laughs> I, saw, <laughs> I saw a couple of episodes, the first episode, couple episodes of winning time. And I'm okay. like, yeah, I saw the first uh, two episodes. I didn't see this week's yet. Me neither, but uh, yeah, I don't know if I'll be able to watch anymore because a lot of that they they got you know Kareem you know acting like a, a total like a hole and you know the Pat I'm sure Pat Riley is not very happy about how he's being portrayed. So like I'm like oh good. Boy. Yeah, like I, said, I haven't seen the latest episode yet. The one I'm getting ready to watch, you'll introduce Pat it's Riley. Pat Riley, to the, yeah, I, right. But, but you'll, 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 let's just say you'll you'll if he get, if you'll if he's upset about it, which I'm sure he is. 
you probably you'll you'll know why i'll just say that <laughs> okay okay you, you i'll watch it this week so i'll probably give you a book report on friday oh uh, you talked about this we talked about this about a week or so ago as, as i started watching it uh jerry west as you mentioned lakina i just and i read the story yeah, yeah happy about how he's being yeah exactly <laughs> they have him as a tyrant yeah <laughs> i said i'm sure him and dr Jer the late dr jerry buzz disagreed on some things but are you going to tell me that he was that way most of the time? I just don't buy it. <laughs> I know some some people have a different persona in front of the camera than behind the camera. We get that, but are you going to tell me that he was an angry tyrant the whole time? I don't know. <laughs> it's just crazy to me how yeah. this is sort of playing out. But yeah, it's just a, it, it's a little bit nutty. But continue. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we have a couple of minutes left, Lakina. Uh, any other last uh, minute? thoughts uh before we call it call it quits for this monday edition of second city sports i mean if you want to tease our um our uh, uh predictions for uh, mlb i mean like like i said don't take them at face value folks but we'll we could do uh we could probably wait to do it right that way we can go more in depth into it but i'll say mm -hmm. this about the national championship game i, I feel like if if kansas doesn't hit their shots early and they let north carolina hang around Especially if Bacot's not 100, percent take mm -hmm. advantage. If they don't take advantage of that. I mean, this could be like one of those very like close games and get down to the wire, and we'll, this will be a free for all and a toss up to see what happens. But I think if they do what they're supposed to do, do what they like that they did against Villanova, get their shots early, take advantage of you know Bacot first, first Bacot and for Bacot I should say to make bad shots and perhaps may try to uh, shoot on that angle. But you know, we'll see. It should be, but it should be a, a classic one you know, tonight. Yeah, I, I expect it to be a classic game. As I said before earlier in the show, R.J. Davis was in foul trouble on Saturday for Carolina. I need him to have a big game tonight. We all know that Caleb Love is going to set the tone uh, for the Tar Heels from the point guard position. He's been having a great tournament. I expect him to have another great performance tonight. R.J. Davis has to help him out and stay in foul trouble. They got away with it against Duke on Saturday. They're not going to get away with it tonight against Kansas. No, they won't, and we'll see. And Manico is going to have a great game, too. Like you said, Babcock is going to be limited due to that right ankle injury. Yeah, so that should be you – know, we might see unsung Hero step up. I mean, you know, we saw it on the women's side with Destiny Henderson, so we'll see if it happens on the men's side. Usually we see, like, you know, guys that kind of, you know, come out of nowhere, so we'll see if that's the case um, tonight. Uh, you know, still the thing with the, uh, the, uh, the sports media news, both uh, Adrian Wojnarowski and Alex Schefter will be saying with ESPN, they both signed multi-year deals to – it's the multi-area sense, I should say, to stay with the network. Uh, more Wojbobs to come, and for Adam Schefter, more FaceTime. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. More more FaceTime. Um, it's just another another one of those, you know, great, you know, great uh, sports. We you got the Masters coming up, too. I know it looks like Tiger's going to play. So Yeah, I actually get a chance to watch a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, We'll see how his knee is. Remember, he's 46 now, so yeah, we'll and that's a long course too in Augusta. So mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see how he's going to change the courses because and, of him. Yeah, so you know, but yeah, again, you got to think Justin Thomas is probably one of the favorites. Bill's not there, of course, for other reasons. You know, we we talked about it. Uh, <laughs> we Google talked your about friend, it. as you would say. Uh, hmm, my favorite. Uh, I would say Justin Thomas. I think Dustin Johnson has a shot too, perhaps winning. I know uh, Scotty Scheffler, you know, he won uh, the WG, G, WGC uh, match play a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I think those three are probably going to be the favorites. Hideki Yats, Natsuyama, who won last year, he may not be able to play because I know he just had surgery. So 
he might not be able to play this year. So, but yeah, I think those are probably my three favorites. Yeah. So the Masters start th- later this week, correct? Thursday. Yep. Thursday. Okay. Yeah. So I'll have a hope I could I'll carve up a little time to watch, it, especially when Tiger comes on. And as we as we said before, Lakina, uh, the golf needs a new uh, a, a new face to uh, to carry the sports, especially for that younger audience. But uh, you can't. Uh, how many times are you gonna uh, bring Tiger Woods out out the coffin? No pun intended to to save golf, especially for your casual viewers like yours truly. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how much they show that how much of a factor he's going to be. So mm-hmm. again, like I said, with that that knee, that you know that knee, of course, he recovered from that uh, horrific car accident that almost he almost got his leg like, like amputated. So you yeah, know, I'm sure there's going to be like a lot of people going to be rallying around him. I'm sure all of you know golf's going to be rallied around him to at least you know try to try to play a full round, mm-hmm. which will be. That'll be an interesting part about it. What do you think about Colin Kaepernick real quick? What do you think about Colin Kaepernick um, uh, uh, being one of the coaches in uh, the well, the honorary captain, as I said, in the uh, Michigan football, straight football game? I know uh, I know, I saw uh, people were kind of a little surprised. You know, Jim Harbaugh, you know, of course, you know, reached out to him mm-hmm. and asked him, would he do it? He said yes. And, you know, the, the whole the whole the play aspect of it, I mean, you know, that ship has sailed. You know, I just think that you know yeah. the buzz going and such. So I don't know how I you think, feel about it. I don't know how much. Yeah, you I think it was just a PR stun, to be honest with you, Lakina. Yeah, Good for him. Uh, another person against Colin Kaepernick, whether you agree with him or not, how he maneuvers. Uh, if he signs with the NFL team and it actually is uh, real this time, great. If not, I'm just sick of the whole story. I'm just sick of the whole story. When something actually happens, if he actually comes back, cool. Other than that, I'm just sick of hearing it. That's yeah, just I have me. My, yeah, I have my own issues with Colin Kaepernick off the field, but that's a whole not what you guys mm-hmm. thinking, but that's all other stuff. So that's a whole nother thing. But uh, I love that uh, people are making quotes about Carlos Beltran and his his uh, his his comments with the Yankees. It's just like, oh gosh, I mean, I can't wait for look. I, guess, I can't wait for uh, the Yankees and the Astros to play each other. <laughs> That'll be yeah. <laughs> oh Beltran. Yeah, Michael Beltran. That's gonna be so funny. But uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be hilarious. Now, on that note, you know, Gally will laugh, as you say. You can follow me at Keenan McKee on the Twitter and at Keenan Scorbicky on the IG. You can follow your truly Sydney Brown on the Twitter and the IG at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80, S-I-D-K-I-D-80. Make sure you download that Sports on Chicago app, wherever you get your apps. Make sure you follow Sports on Chicago, all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Make sure you catch the podcast version of Second City Sports by subscribing to War or Anchor. We are available on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. And you can follow War Media at WARR Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And you can catch Second City Sports every Monday, every Friday, right here, live and in living color on Sports on Chicago from noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. One more again, as you young folks would say. Catch Second City Sports live in 11 color every Monday, every Friday, from noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, right here on Sports Zone Chicago. On our next show on Friday, Lakina, baseball uh, will be kicking off. Of course, the White Sox will be playing live at the same time. We'll be on there for the first couple of hours of that game. So we'll be talking about baseball. Uh, the Bulls will wind down their regular season. Mm-hmm. And... Well, we'll uh, get maybe we'll touch on a little football as as we're a few weeks away from the NFL draft. So, an interesting time in the world of sports. A lot of things happening, even in the springtime, of course. You know, with the MLB, mm-hmm. you know, starting this week. So, 
oh my gosh, the old, let's come do, we're going to have a new champion at men's college hoops tonight. Mm-hmm. We're going to, you know, the masters are later this week. So yeah, so, so much, you know, and I know Jim Nance has to, he's not, he doesn't have to travel far this year, at least. So he's going to be in new, you know, new Orleans. <laughs> so it's, it's not that far from new Orleans to Atlanta. So I mean, well, outside, you know, going to Atlanta, going to Augusta. So it won't be mm-hmm. that big of a, a travel uh, issue for him. So, but he'll be a busy guy this week. So for, and as we will be as well. For Sid, I'm like, Kena, this is Sexy Sports. You know, if you're not going to get vaccinated, you know, wash your hands and be good to each other. And you listen to Sports Zone Chicago, and we'll see you Friday. Go, Bulls. Holla.